Hey everyone, welcome to Game Face episode 116 on Sifted at Sifted.net. Hope you guys have had a great week. I know I did. My, <laughs> my Super Bowl pick worked out perfectly. Just fine. Yeah, in fact, I exactly called it. You guys didn't see this, but Sam and I had a long conversation about the game uh, before we taped last week's show, and pretty much everything I told him came true. Yep. And now in hindsight, I hope that you guys did bet on the Eagles based upon what I told you to do. You could have made some cash. But uh, we're back. Uh, right now, as far as uh, house cleaning stuff is concerned, get your questions in for Pactor Factor. Uh, we put that stuff up a couple days ago. We don't have many questions from you guys. I think there's only like 10 or something like that. So get on there, ask questions. I'm shooting with Pactor tomorrow. Please do not ask him any questions about scotch. Anything you don't, any <laughs> questions you don't ask will be filled by scotch time. <laughs> Although I'm coming up with some ideas to, to use for that. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're trying to work the angle now at this point because I have a feeling that Pactor, no matter what, is going to try to work it into all future episodes of Pactor Factor. So we'll I see. I still say uh, review a scotch, take a shot of the scotch, answer a question. By question six or seven, gold. You also have to realize that we shoot five episodes at a time. Oh, yeah. So imagine... <laughs> So, so we're going to kill him, basically. Yeah. Like that's, um, that, that would, could very well happen. Although maybe, I think, maybe, maybe the last episode you shoot for, for uh, the day. Yeah, yeah. But I, I do think his liver might be able to handle it at this point. Uh, yeah, he's a pro. <laughs> yeah. uh, for those of you, we are back on at our normal time this week. I don't know if we could call it normal time because yeah, we've kind of been later for a while. Um, but it worked out that we could go back to 1 p.m. today. And I know maybe less people will be on the stream, but it allows us to get the archive up for our patrons and our subscribers a lot earlier, a lot quicker. Uh, so they're not basically getting it on Saturday morning. Some of them can watch or listen on Friday night. So we're back in our old time slot. We should be here for a while, I think. Um, so count on 1 p.m. Pacific for Game Face going forward in the immediate future anyway. Um, I think that's it, though. Oh, for those of, you, those of you who maybe weren't watching the show when it was on later and are used to watching it at 1 o'clock... Uh, it is February, and uh, if you want to help us out, you can just go to the top of the player, to the right of the top of the player, and subscribe to us with your Twitch or yeah, your Twitch Prime subscription. Um, you have to do it every month. It's really a pain. I don't know why it doesn't allow you to just set it and forget it and keep donating. But essentially what it does is if you're a member of Amazon Prime and you connect your accounts on Twitch, you can basically give us $2 for free for doing nothing. So uh, if you are a, an Amazon Prime subscriber and you're here on Twitch, just click that button up there. It's an easy way to give us two bucks, and it's actually turned into a pretty good revenue stream for us. So appreciate it if you at least think about it, and I'll appreciate it even more if you click that button. So with that, let's get on with the show. Kind of slow right now, Matt, still. A little bit. We are in the doldrums of February, although I feel bad for my family members who are on the East Coast because this winter has just been brutal. So every time I'm like, oh, there's no games to play, I think about like all my friends and family back like, on the East Coast. We can't feel our feet. <laughs> that, are, that are like drawing smiley faces on the frost of their windows. <laughs> yeah. So I don't want to complain too much. Uh, but we, we do have enough games to fill out this episode. Um, it may not be the longest episode yeah. ever. but Unfortunately, I forgot one because every, yeah. every, week, every week Shane texts and says, like, what'd you play this week? And usually it's like the main thing. But I forgot that I played Dissidia NT this week for like two hours and um which should give you an idea of what i thought of it <laughs> yeah. um so i'll just say real quick don't buy Dissidia nt if if you're not like the most die hard final fantasy fan ever i mean it's 
it's this, kind of the same as the 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 other games because I played the first two. There's, except it's clearly used to be an arcade game because it's all based on like just playing the arena matches and the story mode. You have to earn like materia from grinding matches to unlock the cutscenes and like like there's like six cutscenes before you even get to play a match in the story mode and you have to spend like a thing on each one and it's like. I sp- played like three hours. I got to see three cutscenes, and I was like, "I'm out." Like, I'm not, like, what? Like, your story is not. And everybody's got a real case of um, everyone's very pretty. Like, even by Final Fantasy standards, like all the guys are very pretty. They have what Urusa Yatsura back in the day would have called uh, girly eye disease. <laughs> uh, just, just sparkly men, like, like you wouldn't believe. So I, I don't know if it, it might just not be for me. Yeah, you know? maybe not. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I played a game and I forgot I played it. Uh, that that's my review. Yeah. Well, you're not yet. alone. The game is not getting good reviews. It's sitting at like a six yeah, something it, on Metacritic. It re- and... I mean, the the other two, the previous two on PSP were super robust and had tons of campaign stuff and very twisty, windy stories and a lot of stuff to do. And this one is very obviously an arcade game. Yeah. It got had a, a campaign just slapped on the side to call it a story. And this yeah, they just it. ported the arcade version and then added some bonus characters. And yeah, my girlfriend's it. playing it a lot. Like she's been playing it all week because she likes the characters. But like, she keeps reporting to me like the games on Twitch that have more viewers than Dissidia. It's like it's like all of them. Like the Barbie <laughs> game has like twenty more viewers than Dissidia. Like it's I mean it's losing out to like stuff right. I've never heard of. So like and it's actually losing out to the mobile version. It hasn't been promoted very much. No, but the mobile version has like hundreds more viewers than the than the actual PS4 version. Alright, well let's talk so. about what actually our first topic is this week. It's a game called Subnautica. This game on the other end of the spectrum has been getting sky high reviews. Um, I tried to play it, Matt. I, uh, I've played about an hour and a half of it. Mm-hmm. And the first thing I should say is that I think I've come to the conclusion that I just really don't enjoy survival games. I've tried so many, and a lot of them that people said are incredible. I'm just not a fan. I've played Ark Survival Evolved. Mm-hmm. And this, the problem I run into with survival games is getting started. There's always kind of this learning period when you first start a survival game of what I need to do, where can I find the resources that I need. You always kind of got to get over this initial hump to build sort of your first tool or whatever that obviously then that turns into dominoes and you use that tool to create more. This is another game where I started playing it. I ended up searching the sea for like an hour. I could not find the basic stuff I needed to create my first tool and I just gave up. So then you told me you were playing it, and mm-hmm. I was like, okay, we're going to talk about it on the show. So I started investigating the game, because I, I knew already the review scores were really high, and I yeah, knew that it, you said you had played it all week, so I, I started watching some videos of the game, and holy cow, wow, what that game becomes based upon what I've played. Now, this B-roll is of the first hour of the game, mm-hmm. uh, so we're not spoiling a lot for you here on the show, but man, like considering what I played in this early section here into what ultimately the game becomes and what you can do, it literally blew my mind. Yeah. The, uh... So it turned out I actually owned this. Like, for... I guess I got it in a bundle or something, like, in, like, mid-2016. Because it was early access. And, it, you know, this that's, is... That's a crazy amount of early access. This is, uh... Because this was... It got released. It's, like, a 1.0 finally, yeah. finally done. So I so I was like, oh, I, I should play this. Oh, I have it. All right, I'll play that. Um, and I really like it. Um, I didn't really have any trouble finding stuff early on. You might want to try... Um, what I realized by watching videos was that those tubes underwater have resources in them. Yes. 
And I was just swimming through them like, wee! Yeah, the coral, you got to look closely at everything. You got to hit everything with your knife. Yeah. You can cut pieces. And I think that's where the resources are that I need to build that first tool. I don't know. See, I'm, I'm not sure what tool you're trying to build. Um, I think it's like the, the repair tool. Yeah, yeah. So I can't remember what, the repair tool took me a while. There was one component I had to find, and I can't remember what it was. Maybe it was copper. Because I need the repair tool to repair the things in the pod that will right. then set everything else in motion. Right. Like, you just got to learn, like, there's little outcroppings. If you get close enough, it'll say you can break them, and, like, you'll find, like... I've gathered tons of resources. Stuff. I've swam all over God's creation. The only, the, the, everything's in that first little area. Really? Yeah, it's the safe shallows, it's called. So I'm at the point, I'm just about, I'm still gathering the resources for it, but I'm about to build the giant submarine, the Cyclops, yeah. which lets you go down into the... The cause, depths. Because you have, like, you, you, you get, like, a little, like, you know, little jet thing you can ride on, and then you get, like, a little mini-sub, and then you can find a, like, a, like a, like a diving mech suit thing, and then the big submarine can actually carry those so like you can you can use it as like a mobile base it can go way down and then you get but then like if you go way down there's some there's some stuff down there's some crazy stuff and like the world's completely open so yeah. you can go anywhere you want and i kept i started diving down into those deep pools hoping that mm. i would find the parts that i needed and that's when you have to start managing your your oxygen yeah, levels the stuff i that. built early on was definitely uh oxygen tanks and the rebreather and stuff like that um, it lets you kind of do whatever you want, and eventually I, I have a little base now right under the pod, and you get little radio messages that clue you into like where other pods might have fallen, and like so you can go out and find them, and it's really cool. Um, so it's it's like an alien, you know, your, your alien your spaceship crashes on an alien world is mostly water, and like it, it's fa like the ecosystem is fascinating. Like the like there's all these weird little creatures, and like yeah. you can scan them with your little scanner, and like little entry on what they are and how they work and what their place in the world is and it's fascinating you know, I, I risk my life coming up to like really dangerous creatures trying to scan them for like i'm like oh it's a 50 foot eel monster i'm gonna scan that sucker <laughs> um what really made me stop was i ran out of health mm. health boost and i was like i don't know how to get more i don't know how to make more and that was i was just like i'm done uh, there's a little uh there's in the escape pod there's a little thing that generates them yeah, yeah. And it's on a timer, right? Like a yeah, cooldown? it's like a 30-minute timer. And then you can build another one in your base. Yeah. Uh, like, it, it's... Every every problem you run into, there's a, there's a way to build something to solve it. Yeah. And uh, it's, a lot of it's trial and error, because that's just sort of what these games are. Um, but I, it all kind of made more or less sense. Um, and I had a lot of fun going to the different biomes. Uh, here's one... One trick... Uh, save the game first, but if you, if you get to a place... You can get to the edge of the world. Like, your, you know, the traversal world, which is like... Basically, the continental shelf just drops off into nowhere. And if you keep going, something happens. Oh, really? So I recommend doing that. Uh, but, yeah, and, and I think it's cool also because, like, I have a giant, like, weird, like, phobia of, like, deep water, ocean, you know, whatever's oh, underneath there. So, like, this is really cool just because it's like, oh, it's, yeah, it's, it's, this is the best horror game I've played. <laughs> in, like, in all way. And it's like, oh, I don't want to go down that giant trench, but that's where the gold is. You know, it's yeah. like... It's, uh, I really dig it. It's, uh, it's What do you think it is about this that has kind of set it apart from all the other survival games? Because honestly, I think this game has the highest aggregate mm -hmm. score of any survival game I've ever seen. I think it's the, it's because it's like water and it's not just wandering out of a snowbound forest for one thing. It's a change of pace. Uh, the imagination that has gone into creating the alien biomes and the world is really cool. So, like, you're you're not just, like, wandering through wilderness to find, like, 
equipment. You're wandering through a place you've never seen before, and it's fascinating just to see it, let alone... So, like, there's, like, multiple levels of exploration. So, it's like you, you go to a new area, like this kelp forest, and you're like, oh, that looks really cool. And now you're, like, looking at all the little creatures, and now you're saying, like, oh, what's this? But now you're like, oh, is there a wreck here? What's in the wreck? Is there, what, what can I do with these weird little plants? So, I can cut this, and I get a vine. I can make something else with it. And, like, as you find new equipment, you get new blueprints. Um, like, you know, you can cut the right, you know, the right uh, material off something, and, like, it's like, oh, now you can make this. Like, it gave you, like, it's like he gave you an idea. And then you have to find, like, wrecks and scan uh, you know, technical equipment to like get the blueprints to build new things, and like all those things are pretty meaningful upgrades for the most part. Um, and like it just re- it really has a good pace of like expanding out where you can explore and how you explore and how long you can be underwater and and you know, little things where like you, you know you, you get the right grab the right fish and suddenly you can create uh, it's a it's an emergency buoyancy thing. Because like one of the big problems you'll run into is like you, you get absorbed digging around on the on the surface. And it's like oh you have like nine seconds of oxygen. Yeah, I've left, died many times trying got, to get like, back to yeah, the yeah. surface. So yeah. like there's a certain fish you can grab and it'll give you a recipe for for a buoyancy device. And like if you realize like oh I don't have any time, you you pull the buoyancy device and it just rockets you to the surface. Uh, Bends it, be damned. Yeah, apparently <laughs> apparently that's not a thing here. Um, the, your suit is really good at not... I don't know. <laughs> yeah. um, well, the first thing I wanted to do is go to the main wreckage, and that's radioactive. It won't right, let you, you onto the ship. for that. Uh, and that's cool. And you need a suit for that, and then like you need, eventually you hit the point where you're oh, I need a laser cutter. So that meant you need to, to find in, you got to yeah. find a diamond, and then you got well, wear a diamond. Yeah, you know, it's like that kind of progression of like I need this thing. Okay, well I need this thing. But I the game, I mean, based upon what I play with, which again wasn't much, the game doesn't really teach you. No, what you're supposed to it's be a, doing. It's a it's a trial and error exploration thing, and uh, which is another reason why I'm not a big fan of survival games. Yeah, I, normally I'm not either, but for some reason this one just hooked me. And um, yeah, every once in a while I'd hit a point where I'm just like, mm, I don't want to sit here and figure out where this is, and I'd turn it off. But I'd come back the next day. Um, so I put I put like 10, 10, 12 hours in this game. You think you're gonna stick with it? Yeah, because I want to build that giant submarine and see what's down at the bottom. Right. You know, it's it's. And like I love, you know, because like the submarine and like your bay, you eventually get to build like a, a moon pool. So like you've got the little like you know the submarine docks in there, little submarine, uh, little mini sub docks in there, and you can like power it up, and and you have a little modification station that can like make it look better. And like when I was searching through the sh- through one of the wrecks, I found like a little module. I'm like, oh, I plug it into plug it into the mini sub, and now I've got a little inventory thing. I got to expand my inventory space. Like it gets very good at like rewarding you for poking around. And uh, a lot of survival games, like you feel like you just kind of can, you've wasted your time poking around an area, like oh, I found water, right? You know. Yeah. But like this game, like really does does that well, and like there's a there's a reward for doing things, and it feels good. One thing I would say is the water does change things because in other survival games, you can a lot of times you can see for three or four miles yeah. ahead. In this game, you really can't. And then, like you're seeing now, it does get dark, and then mm-hmm. then you have to use a light down at the bottom of the ocean. That's when it, that's when kind of the horror elements creep yeah. in a little bit. The other thing I would say, uh, if you're starting, like one of the things you can build is uh, a beacon, and you put a, you can put a beacon down. It doesn't. It's not. It's like one copper, one titanium, or so. It's very cheap to make. It's a little beacon, and you put it down, and you can rename it whatever you want. You can always see it on your HUD, basically. And I highly, highly recommend building several of those. And every time you find something interesting that you can't fully explore yet, drop that beacon and name it, you know, 
deep cave or you know, whatever whatever you found that you you want Basically, to come back you can to choose, set up your own waypoints. Yeah, because otherwise you're, you're there's a good chance you'll never find it. I guarantee you, if there's something you can't get to yet, there's something good in there. Yeah, you want you want to get down there eventually. So, um, how much is this game? They sent me a code. I, I don't remember. Probably should look at the price because I, I didn't buy. I bought it years ago. It, it must have been in like a humble bundle or something. I can't imagine I would have. I don't buy early access stuff really. Yeah. Uh, certainly not early access survival games. It's crazy it that you like bought a, this game like two years yeah, ago. Yeah, and, and uh, it's just now at version one point Well, it's, it's early access. But I will say it's polished. Yeah, you can tell yeah. it's been in early access for a couple of years. And I think I, I do. I must have started it up at some point because I had played it before, and I think I just sort of like fiddled around with it and couldn't figure anything out, and just like walked away. Those guys suck. Yeah, they do. Um, <laughs> yes, they do. To walk away from it, and like I'm starting this time for some reason, whatever. I just got it. It clicked. They, I, mean, I don't know if they adjusted something or if they changed some things, so it made it easier to to figure out how everything fits together. But it, it, I think it's great. And I'm, I'm also like, you know, I'm well, everybody knows I love scanning things and yeah. like, I like alien worlds and stuff, you know, this is sort of like, you know, there's a little bit, a bit of no man's sky happening here. It definitely um, has that vibe for sure. It's just so damn strange. And there's little, little mysteries, like you piece together, like you get like logs and you kind of find out like, oh, and like it turns out there were people who were there before and like, uh, there's bigger mysteries to kind of uncover once the more, the deeper you go. And that's, that's compelling as well. And, uh. Yeah, if you have any, and there's also there's a mode if you really don't like the survival stuff, because um, in, the, in the standard game, like there's all the normal stuff uh, with you know survival. There's hunger and thirst, and you have to build things and repair things and keep your life up and keep your action up. There is a mode where there's no hunger and no thirst, um, which is right up my alley. Which is, yeah, you might want to try that one. It's it's probably more fun if you don't want to like just spend all your time trying to purify water yeah uh and then there's another mode that's the other thing i ran out of was water yeah there's another mode where um you uh where it's just it's just you know there's no limit you, you can build anything there's no, you can just mess around um like a creative mode and like that i didn't use that but i feel like that might be helpful if you're trying to figure out like oh what does this do how does this work with no penalty um and kind of seeing what does this look you know that's another thing i, I found useful um when I'd end up with a with a uh, new new uh, resource or something, is dropping it and seeing what it looks like, so I know what I'm looking for later. Oh, interesting! If I could deconstruct something, and right, I, and right. I, and I have, I'm yeah. like, okay, what does titanium look like? Okay, it's a little like kind of dark asterisk kind of thing. Yeah. Like, okay, so I know what I'm looking at now. It's just, it's uh, yeah. If you have any interest in survival stuff and and in managing your oxygen levels like <laughs> this game is really good like it's well it also it comes out in a good spot because if you're not playing monster hunter world right now you're probably looking for something to play yeah um and this is time consuming this game yeah time get a lot of away, value out of it. like it's there, there are a couple nights this week where suddenly it was 3 a.m yeah and i was like what like like yeah go in to play this after dinner and it's just like oh it's two in the morning Next thing you know like, it's five yeah. hours later yeah it's uh it hooks you it hooks at least it hooks me like it it one more dive, one more trip out, one more, you know, it's just, it's that, that, it's that treadmill of like, oh, I got the thing I needed, that, let me build the thing I wanted now to where, build. Now where can now I Now I get to go it? use yeah. this. Right. Oh, that, that, let me find this thing, and now I can, oh, I bet I can do that. It's, it just, it just steam, it's, it snowballs. The, the breadcrumb trail for games like this is paramount. It's yeah. really important to keep you going. And uh, I would say, like, you, I could tell already, like, I could see the sequence of events I needed to complete, mm. which in a lot of, like, uh, Ark Survival Evolved, have you ever played that? I tried. Like, just <laughs> yeah. surviving the first five minutes of that game, depending on where you spawn, yeah. could be nearly impossible. 
It was just like a mad scramble to basically chop down a tree, create mm-hmm. a fire so you don't freeze to death like right away. Um, and this game does ease you into it a lot more than that. It's not immediately urgent right out of the gate that you need resources or you're, you're going to die. Yeah, you're, once you figure out how like kind of how water works and everything, like in terms in terms of like purified water, like like it's pretty easy to keep on top of it as long as you plan ahead. Like you, know, you always want to have water on you. You can't you know, and you can't like don't don't save it to the last minute. Like don't you know. I did that once where I tried to go, like, oh, I'll just go back and purify some water. And I died of thirst while I was purifying the water because <laughs> yeah, it didn't yeah. happen fast enough. Um, and, like, death isn't a big deal in this game. You know, you, if you're out somewhere, you'll lose some items. But if you go back, they're still there. Yeah. Um, there's, some, there's some neat things in this. Like, I, I, I definitely recommend it if you, if you don't, like, auto-hate this kind of game. Let me check, actually. I'm going to look really quickly to see how much this is. So we inform our folks about it. I think it's probably, I'm guessing, thirty dollars. Uh, maybe. It seems it seems like it's probably thirty, twenty-five or thirty. Is it coming out for consoles as well, Matt? Wouldn't surprise me. But I don't Eventually. think I don't think there's anything announced for it. But uh, it would be a very smart console release, I think. Let's see. Yeah, well, actually, it's just PC, Mac, and Xbox One. Oh, okay. So yeah, I don't think it's out for Xbox One. Although, based upon how well it's doing, I have a feeling... I, although, Google says uh, PlayStation 4. Oh, it does? Yeah. It's got It's got to be uh, coming. $24.99 on Steam. Okay. That's not bad. I mean... I, I I've s- spent 25 bucks on way dumber things. <laughs> I think we all have. Without a doubt. Uh, so that's not bad. 25 bucks. I mean, most reports are saying they've got dozens and dozens of hours out of this. Yeah. So. I, I really, and I would probably be willing to play it again, frankly. Like even, you know, and I don't say that about survival games much, but like I, would, I enjoy kind of poking around this world, and I would, I would be interested to see how fast I could find all the stuff I'd need to build the giant, uh, the giant submarine and stuff. Like it's, it's, uh, it's my kind of thing. All right. Let's move on. We're going to talk next about some big news that released for Red Dead Redemption 2 this week. I think we're going to get stuff like this. Yeah. There's going to be pretty a regularly. Some drip feed, I would say. This was a leak, by the way. This was not something that was officially announced by Rockstar. It doesn't happen much. With no, Rockstar. it really doesn't. Um, but the big news is that there's going to be a Battle Royale mode. Actually, probably the bigger news is that the multiplayer is going to be crazy. There's tons and tons of modes that were not announced but leaked. Um, and one of which is a battle royale mode. Another one is like a grab the gold mode. Mm-hmm. So it looks like multiplayer is going to be a big part of it. The other thing that was announced was a first person mode for the game where you can play in first person. Nah. You won't play in first person? Nah. No? I like, I, I like seeing the character and seeing the world more. Not like in general, but I just find like I, I find like the Rockstar GTA style games play fine in third person. I don't I don't need a first person mode. Yeah, because there was first person I mean, in sure, put, GTA Five, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, sure. I mean, I never use that either. I mean, I mean, sure, put one in. Like if people want to use it, awesome. More options are always good. I prefer but, the shooting from that perspective. Yeah, because that's that's one weakness in Rockstar's games that has kind of always been there. Is yeah, shooting. but it's it's better than it used to be. It is. And, I mean, uh, it used to be atrocious. Oh, and now yeah, it's go, passable. Go try to play, uh, you know, Vice City again. Yeah, oh, yeah, like, mm-hmm. or any of the early GTAs. It's 
San Andreas still works so well. Uh, well, well, early games were basically just a lock-on system. Where yeah, it just locked like, well, on. The... Well, San Andreas, and uh, I mean the PC versions uh, gave you mouse control, so yeah. that was that's more playable. But like, yeah. yeah, you go back to like the PlayStation Two version of those games, and you're like, how did we do? You know, and I remember the arguments over that where people were like, no, it's fine, it's great, it's awesome. It's like, mm, no, no it never, it's really not. never fine. <laughs> it really wasn't. Because uh, what it do is lock on, and it will give you like the ability to kind of fine-tune the aim on the mm. enemy. Uh, so you just push up slightly to get a headshot or whatever. And then finally they ended up giving you full control yeah. like any other third-person shooter. Still, I don't think it's great. At least not in GTA no. Five. I didn't think it was great. but It was all right. It, it worked. Yeah. But like, the problem is like you're very you're very squishy in those games. Like yeah. you're very you can die very quickly. Yeah, it's true. Even replaying Red Dead Redemption last year, I noticed that was you know like I I was almost out of health after like a couple of shots. You, you know, you get caught flat footed, and you're like, well, you better hope some covers nearby because otherwise you're dead. Yeah. So they announced the battle royale mode the same week that Fortnite officially passes PUBG mm-hmm. um, in concurrent players. The I can, baton has officially yeah. been passed. I can definitely see that working very well in Red Dead Redemption. I assume you will not parachute in. Uh, although... How? Well, <laughs> I mean, have you seen any of the GTA Online stuff? Yeah, I don't know. Who like, knows what they'll do? Like, maybe you'll ride in on bone dragons. Who knows? <laughs> I mean, at this rate, You're right. I mean, all bets are off. Yeah. yeah. But how I wonder I do wonder though how players will drop into the battlefield. I also wonder too if that is why the game was delayed. Man, yeah, not not a bad theory. I mean, if you look at what Fortnite's done in just a matter of a couple months, or, or at the very least, it could be a thing where they're like, maybe they were thinking about adding it later, and they're like, you know what? Let's it's get better that in to launch. launch. Yeah, yeah, it could be. It, it, who knows? We're we're just totally totally speculating. Yeah. But like. If there's one thing you might want to delay your game a few months for, it's probably putting this mode in. Yeah. But it sounds as if the template that's been laid down by GTA V is going to continue on in all of Rockstar's yeah. games going forward. And, and I who, think And who hasn't wanted to play a battle royale mode where you can be killed by a cougar at any moment? Yeah. <laughs> well that's true. The wildlife could become a big yeah. part of it. That's an angle of battle royale that hasn't really been mm-hmm. broached yet. So that could give it sort of its own slant. But I think what we can do is Look at what we've seen from GTA Online and kind of assume that that's the type of thing we're yeah. going to get from Red Dead 2. And you'll be able to buy little treasure chests yeah. full, of, full of currency or whatever. Like and you'll like be able the, to buy like some crazy stagecoach for right. like five billion and like the four, or something. the four horses of the apocalypse. <laughs> yeah. and, you know, there'll be weird no, you're right. You'll be able to buy like crazy expensive horses. And how, did, you, did that really resonate with you? Does GTA Online do it for you? Um, no, I didn't like it at first, and then I went back to it with my friends after the Heist expansion went up, and we really enjoyed that and played with that a lot, because um, that basically gave us a way to earn enough money to in-game to buy good stuff to permanently have, um, and it was like, until then, we were just you just felt like you were struggling along with the stupid PvP stuff. There was nothing you could really do to earn a lot of money quickly. But like the heist stuff, you all of a sudden you're making millions. Like if you're playing these these heists well, and we were pretty good at it, and it became a lot more fun then, because then like we could have these cars, or you know, one of my friends bought a t- bought the tank and like would drive around in the tank, and or and one bought like a, the attack helicopter and would fly around. Like if we were like in a public game and people were like being jerks, like I'd be like, hey, like we got this guy, and he'd just get, he'd pull out the helicopter and fly <laughs> and just, just bombard them until they left the game. See, it's cool um, when you're on the good side of it, yeah. but what really turned me off to GTA Online, first of all, was the whole ATM thing. Um, yeah. That they changed. Yeah, right. They so, did. so you can do that through your phone now. Yeah, and I think actually it may have 
come very quickly, that change. Maybe. But but it wasn't even just that. I mean, I felt like it was a playground for griefers. Yeah. In general. It, early on, that's definitely what it was. Because... I, and, like, we... I, that's why we stopped playing it. And, like, I remember we, when we went back for the heist thing, we weren't looking forward to that. And I, we made a bunch of money. We're like, we got to get back to the ATM. got to back to the ATM. And just some guy killed one of my friends and took his money. And, he, and he's like... And, like, he basically... Because uh, you, you could hear people like he's he's, he's like what you know he, tech, he he messaged him or he talked to him I don't know I wasn't there but like he messaged him or something and said why do you have this much money on you and the guy he's like well because I was trying to get to the ATM he's like you don't have to get do that anymore dumbass like because like, like, <laughs> we didn't know we, we didn't think you didn't know they changed that and it was uh, that was a uh, you know the quality of life improvements between launch and and the heist update were substantial. I mean that's one thing Rockstar did respond very quickly to complaints. But the other issue that I had with GTA Online was that what I like to do online with Grand Theft Auto is just get friends together and just have fun. Mm-hmm. Just set up crazy stunts and like and you can't do that because you always have other people like messing with you. There's some dude well, on no, our... you can now. Like we we used to play custom modes and like private games or whatever, and it was that was fine. Like we we spent weeks at one, but it was like somebody made up this mode where like it's a giant floating platform, and half the, one team is on the platform, and the other team has infinitely spawning like like McLarens or like super sports cars around the corner, and. Basically, the idea is like the one team drives the cars and goes off these ramps and tries to hit the, the guys on the floating platform and knock them off. <laughs> it's and, like bowling. And the people on the floating platforms have rocket launchers. Uh. And like, so you're trying to shoot these, <laughs> the cars as they fly up and like, you know, uh. there'd be just things where they're, you know, you're flipping over and like dodge. Somebody like corkscrewed around a rocket and like caught a guy with a tire and like he flew. You know, I mean, we played that for weeks. Was that the PC version or console, console version? Console, it was PS4. Because there was at some point you could get like game mode, like game mods basically that people created in the editor, uh, and you could pick them as uh, download them or whatever and play them as, as mode. So we would play that over and over and over again. Like I said, I have not played it in forever. Like it's it's like literally very different. Like two like, like a month and a half or two months after it initially came out was yeah, the last time it, I touched it. By the time between that and like the heist update, it was a di- completely different game, and I'm sure it's even different now. I haven't played it since you know, the heyday of the heist update. And I'm sure with the new update, it's even crazier and weirder. So it's, a, it's a good example that of where Rockstar can learn from one game and then yeah. import that knowledge over to the oh, next. Sure. So they really stuck with it. Yeah, so hopefully Red Dead 2 doesn't go through the growing pains that no, GTA No, I feel like they, they've, they learned a lot from GTA Online. And I feel like, they, I mean, it obviously... Learned how to make a lot of money. Yeah. Well, it's not going to be perfect, <laughs> but I think it'll start further ahead than GTA yeah. Online did. So are you cool with all the, the leaks that came out, all the information? As long as that single-player game is still there, I don't care. Yeah. Like, it's just icing on the cake. Yeah, actually. Yeah. Like I'm there for the campaign. Yeah, like, it's like I wouldn't have regretted buying Grand Theft Auto V for full price, even though I wasn't a huge fan of GTA no. Online. Like, because I played my main the base with, game for like sixty or seventy hours. My main thing with the with GTA Online is I like so a lot of the stuff in GTA Online to me feels clearly adapted from single player content. Like I feel like the heist stuff was supposed to be yeah, part yeah, of the yeah. single player because the whole single player game thing like. You get the the mechanics of like hiring the team, and the team can upgrade their abilities. And like you do like three heists. Like yeah, none yeah, of that yeah. ever matters. Like yeah. like the, the way they set up the heist thing feels like this is the meat of the game. You're gonna be doing this a lot. You're gonna be building a team. You're gonna have. You're gonna be like nine, ten of these, and it's gonna be you know. There wasn't. You're gonna end up. What you know? What this is gonna end up being is gonna matter. And like it wasn't. It feels to me like they were it, the best parts of the yeah, game. Yeah. It feels like they lifted that out of the game and made it an online mode. And. Like so, part of me wishes that had been single player content. I think right. that's also probably true. So that's the big question. Would yeah. you rather have 
these online modes, or would you rather have single-player DLC? I'd rather have single-player DLC, yeah, but I'm probably a minority of Because that. you're taking out what Rockstar does really well, which is create characters right. and writing and scenarios. and. I mean, I had a good time playing the heist stuff. I just wish I didn't need three other people to do it. Right. You know, because yeah. while I did enjoy that, like, I also would have enjoyed, like, what they're, what, you know, what they're setting up in with Lester in the single-player campaign where, like, oh, I got to plan this and I have a team and I got to decide who to bring in for each heist and, like, which one, you know, you, you need this expertise for this. But that right. never happens. Yeah, like, yeah. The, you know, it's, it's all story Well, you know you're going to rob banks in Red right. Dead 2 and... So, I mean, hopefully that, that, that kind of mechanic is brought into the single-player game as well as the multiplayer, because I think that's a fun thing to do, but I, I, sometimes I don't want to find three other people to do that. Exactly. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about E3, which is not all that far away. No, nah, it's like 120 days or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's just a few months away. Uh, E3 finally opened up media registration this week and also kind of announced some changes that are coming to the show. Um Probably the biggest change to E3 this year is that it's kind of found, as the graphic says, a happy medium. Um, last year, it opened it up to the public for the first time, which we thought was a great idea. And we mm-hmm. have been talking about it for years, that that's something E3 needed to do. However, it kind of went too far the other direction. Well, they just didn't plan around the idea that all, it's all of a sudden you're letting in thousands more people than you did before. Yeah. And it was, I mean, the floor was chaos it, it was, was ab- yeah and like i is the first time I mean, i'd been to what like 18 or 19 of these things uh, 19 i think last year was my 19th e3 and i it was the first time ever i skipped a day on the floor i didn't go to the floor on the last day or the one of the days i was there and like it was either <laughs> and it was it was pretty it was good it was the best day on the floor but it was but still it, way more crowded than most fridays yeah it was really crazy and um and for a while there, it was pretty, you know, Thursday, the last day, Thursday, you used to be, for the last few years, kind of the good day for getting to see things, because once they cracked down on photo IDs for badges, like, because that was the kind of the tradition, was like the, 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 high, the big wigs would go home on Wednesday night, and, and they'd hand, hand their, their badges, badges to the underlings, yeah. and then every, those people would go on Thursday. So now you couldn't do that anymore, and like Thursday became sort of dead. It was, it was, yeah. I mean, I remember a couple years ago, like we were standing around and then in a major intersection, you know, big intersection in like the main room. And like, there was just nobody yeah. anywhere. We've seen everything. And I, I can understand if you're running E3, you don't want that to happen. So might as well let some people in, but like they just didn't plan. You know, I've seen conventions at the LA convention center that don't feel like that. Oh yeah, it doesn't have to be that way. Like there's a you got to redesign the the walkways. You got to redesign how the booths are laid out. You got to. Re- I mean, that's a major change, and they didn't take that into consideration. If you think about it, Matt, E3 has been the same yeah. forever. Yeah. My first E3 to the last year's E3, the way the booths are set up. Yeah. The only thing that changes where the booths go is somebody going out of business. Right. Yeah. Somebody either goes out of business or just decides they don't want to spend the money. But otherwise. Yeah. It's and the games change in the booze and the booze change, but the layout where everything is, the traffic patterns, none of that ever has ever changed. No. Um, but the big change this year is they've kind of found the happy medium. So, or so they think. They think we'll see how it goes. So basically, how it works is every day, but but the last day of the show, industry will have three hours at the beginning of the day mm-hmm. all to themselves. So it's like the old E3 for the first three hours of every day, and then the public comes in later. Um, how do you think that's going to work, Matt? Uh, it's not enough time. 
to do what people it need really, to do, it's not, but it's yeah. better than nothing. It, exactly. That's why I said happy medium because there's. I don't think there's any way they're going to go back to just industry only. I just, no. I don't see that no. happening. And I think the argument can be made. That I don't they, think that they, they should. Shouldn't. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think making Thursday sort of the the big public day is wise because that's you know. A lot of industry folks take off after when, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, Thursday's been traditionally sort of the quiet day for a long time. At the very least, you knew that a lot of the bigwigs were gone. But if you needed to talk to whoever, you got to talk to them by Wednesday Well, they're gone. They're down the street sitting at a bar. That, that too. <laughs> or they're at the Marriott. Right. Like that's, yeah. A lot of people I know don't even leave the Marriott bar area anymore. Yeah. All, the, all the biz dev stuff is done there. Right. Now. Yeah. Um... So, yeah, I mean, I, hopefully it, it works out. I mean, definitely there were people like just couldn't get their work done last year. Yeah. Um, even like, you know, you're seeing the, the, the Nintendo booth here. Like at some point, I think it was, uh, God, I can't remember. Here's the big change, man. Some, some was it, I think it was IGN or something. Like basically like Reggie and me, they were like 20 minutes late getting yeah. to the, for their live interview. And they're like, we couldn't get out of our booth. We're sorry. Like it was just like, there's nothing they can do. I mean, really the big change for us from our perspective is one, you got to make sure you get there right, right as soon as it starts. But two, we'll be able to play pretty much anything we want mm -hmm. because those first few hours is just going to be us. And you can kind of schedule your week out and say, I need to play these 40 games or whatever. And if you're smart about it with three hours at the beginning of the show where you're not fighting against the crowds, you should be able to see yeah. pretty much everything you want to see and play pretty much everything you want to play. So I feel like E3's done a pretty good job striking a balance between the public uh, and the industry. And then the other thing of it, too, is that they've changed how they're doing the general public passes. So those have not gone on sale yet. Media mm -hmm. registration, industry registration is up. General public cannot register yet. But when they do, the first 1,000 passes are $149, and then everything after that is $249. Wow. Yeah, so they, they definitely want people to, and it's weird for you to announce that, and then not announce the exact day and time that those are going on sale. Mm. <laughs> it, it seems a little odd how they uh, ended up announcing it, but um, they're, they're trying to incentivize people to jump in early to make sure that they're not kind of left mm -hmm. twisting in the wind, so to speak. But uh, I think overall, smart I yeah. kind of figured they'd, they'd kind of go yeah, all in one something. direction and then dial it back a little bit. Um, I will say this. Last, I mean, you're seeing B-roll from E3 last year right now. It was a lot more lively. Yeah. The last couple of years, it had almost gotten a little bit embarrassing at times when you'd walk in there. You're because What people don't realize about E3 is you get a lot of people going to E3 that really don't care about E3. So when I was at Viacom, every year my boss would say, hey... There's all these other Viacom bigwigs from New York who want to go to E3, but they don't want to deal with E3. They mm -hmm. want to see all the good stuff in two hours. And so, so, so just like everyone else who goes to E3. Pretty like, much, yeah. yeah. So, but, but because we, we worked out in L.A., they worked out in New York, and they were really the gatekeepers to what we did. They held our budgets and figured out how much money they were going to give GT every year to create content and all the other stuff that we did. And so it was important for us to impress these folks and make them feel like the gaming industry is a big deal and it's something worth being a part of, particularly towards the end of GT, where we are starting to sense them pulling back from GT and gaming and not really want to support us anymore. It became very important for us to impress them. So mm -hmm. I would set it up with all the PR people, appointments to see the best game in their booth, and I'd take them on a two-hour tour of the show floor and let them play all the big stuff. What happened, though, usually, is that 
they they wouldn't want to do it until Thursday. And so they'd show up, and there was, like, nobody on the show floor. Mm. Like, everyone's hungover or whatever. They're not there. <laughs> so they're walking around with me. This is supposed to be this big VIP tour that only they were going to get, that they got this exclusive access to these games that other people had to wait hours to see, blah, blah, blah. And they walk <laughs> in there, and there's nobody there. And there are hundreds, maybe even thousands of people at E3 that are in the same position that I was in at Viacom trying to show the people who pull, who pull the strings how important gaming is, how big gaming is, and they would walk into the show and be like, really? This is, the bi- this is as big as gaming gets? Well, that's what you say. No, so that's, this is exclusive. It's very exclusive. Yeah, I mean, that's what I would say no to them. But they're it. like, how exclusive is this? There's no one else waiting in line. So um, there's lots of people who are in that position where they have like the CEO or the CFO of their corporation coming in to look at the show for a couple hours. You need to really impress them so that they think gaming is really happening. And the way the show was for the last few years before they let the public in, that, that spectacle wasn't there. So um, I think this is good for a number of reasons. I think the bigger the spectacle, the more mainstream coverage you get. I mean, I, I just think they went a little overboard last year. They're reeling it in this year. I think that they found a sweet spot. But as always, we will never know that until we step foot on the show floor for the first time. So, mm-hmm. so I think headed in the right direction at the very least. Yeah, I mean, what are you going to do? We can't do anything. They don't, they don't ask us. No, I wouldn't. I mean, I would not really probably want to pay 250 bucks to go to E3. Not worth it. Uh, yeah, just... because, I mean, here's the thing. Like, So now the public has less time right. to see this stuff. So how big now is the line going to be for whatever Nintendo's big thing is this year, which is always the longest line. Whatever yeah. Nintendo's Doesn't matter what game, it is. Doesn't matter what it is. It's always the longest line. Could be Animal Crossing slap in the face. Like, people yeah. will be lined up out of the door. So it's going to be harder to slap see Slap me in the face, Tom like Nook. That. Come on. Yeah, you have less time, the same amount of people. It's going to be harder to get in to see that stuff. Charging 200 and some dollars for that steep. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. If somebody decides to come to LA, make a vacation out of it, maybe go to E3 yeah, for I a mean, day that's or something two. You can do it. But it's like also, I don't know. I'm also comparing it to like the old days when, like, I mean, I still didn't pay to get it. It was like there was a point at which you could go to E3 and, like, if you were lucky, you could win a wave bird. Or so, I, I won a wave bird once. Yeah. From like this like little Wheel of Fortune thing Nintendo yeah. was doing. I'm just like, I walked out with a fucking wave bird. Like, that's yeah. great. Like, you used to come out with like some actual stuff and like. That actually had value, yeah. It was, yeah now not, it's like foam Mario. Not huge, not huge value, but it was like, it was like something that like felt like you'd been somewhere no one else got to see. It was yeah, meaningful. Yeah. The other thing, and people would be like, where'd you get that? It's like, oh, I got it at E3. You know? Yeah, you don't really say that there anymore. There isn't anything like that anymore. <laughs> well, now yeah. they, I mean, they did give out those Mario foam hats. Yeah. That ended up selling on eBay for like $70, and they probably cost like a dollar to make or something. Yeah, if you get the right swag i guess you can like pay for your trip a little bit but like yeah. man it's expensive i mean just getting a hotel downtown and like, i mean the other thing too is transportation. if you don't get a hotel if you didn't get a hotel five months ago right you're going to be staying out where i live yeah, in, you're west out, LA, you're in west la you're in the west side you're in santa monica or you're like north like near burbank or whatever so that's a, that's a long uber yeah it's hard to be spontaneous and do e3 well i guess mm-hmm. is the best way to put it at least downtown is more lively and and has a lot than it used to, to be than it used to be <laughs> It used to be like visiting Escape from New York or something, yeah. and now it's like, oh, it's like, let's go on the Art Walk. You know, it's a very different downtown yeah. than when we used to go back in the old days. Yeah, it used to be you went for a walk, you'd end up with like a, a syringe <laughs> a syringe in your foot. So it's definitely cleaned it up a lot now. I remember there. when Ubisoft, because Ubisoft has their, their press, has always had their press thing in this theater, like downtown, a little ways away from the convention center. And I remember when, basically when they first started it, some of the, the, the UB people were like, oh, we're going to do that. 
take a cab. Yeah, don't, like like, don't, don't walk. walk to the, it's like, <laughs> but now you could walk it's there. Fine. And like, yeah. you could You could pick up a bacon-wrapped hot dog and a bouquet of flowers on the way. It's yeah, totally or while you're waiting in line to get in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, downtown L.A. has changed a lot since I've yeah. lived here. And I've been here like 12 years, and it's like night and day. To compare. Oh, the, the gentrification is real, my friend. Although going down there at night still... Yeah, that's weird. It's, yeah. Be careful. It's a block. If, if you come to LA, it's a block to block game. Yeah, yeah. Um, and don't walk under overpasses without <laughs> being aware of your surroundings. Um, but yeah. like, uh, also like, you know, and we'll see it. We'll see it for sure this year because I, I don't go to the convention center much. Yeah. Believe it or not, like not a not a not a huge destination unless you're you know going to see Lakers games basically. Yeah. Um, there's all this how these buildings across the street from it used to be just parking lots across yeah. the street. Now like they 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 were under construction last year but now they're almost done like these giant condos or something. I don't They'll know. They'll put they're... condos anywhere they can in yeah. LA right now. Every, literally every corner has They're building like... that place up in in ways that uh, you wouldn't think there would be room to do in L, in downtown LA but it's happening. And oddly enough the law of supply and demand doesn't seem to be applying to housing because well, the problem... there's more housing than ever and the prices just keep going up. Right. Well, they keep pricing them out of you know it's like oh people need more housing yeah that doesn't mean more three thousand dollar a month condos yeah. bro like it means a place to live for normal people who need the you know you can't spend the gnp of a small country on rent you yeah. know like but that's a that's a whole different that's a whole other story it's a whole different side <laughs> of living in los angeles but anyway just wanted to give you guys a rundown on e3 in case some of you are considering coming to the show um you can find a hotel. Don't just write it off. Yeah, there's places. You'll, you know, you'll have to stay Oregon, a little ways out. Airbnb it or something. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure there's good places. And you may have to take an Uber or a Lyft to the show. Surprising, which in LA, yeah. they're everywhere. So. And also, like, I mean, that's the way to do it. I've been driven myself to E3 and since ride sharing started. Like, yeah. there's no, if you don't have to have a car in downtown LA, don't Don't bring one like it's it sucks (laughs) but look if enough of you guys end up coming out maybe we could do a little get together after the show one night we could get together and have some beers or whatever uh as always if you're into that just reach out to me on the site i am at shane so let's move on we're going to talk next about a game i have been playing for the last few days i tried to play subnautica did not connect with me however this game most definitely did hunt showdown this is a game coming out of e3 last year i said keep an eye on this game it's something different it's something unique um, even in the asymmetrical shooter world, is something different and unique. And then, consequently, it started getting a lot of nominations for Best of E3 and even won some awards. I think it may have been, like, PC Gamer's Game of the Show or something Maybe, like that. Yeah. There was at least one publication that really went all in on it. Um, and it is in a closed alpha right now, and I found out there's a closed alpha going on. And I usually do not beg with PR people, <laughs> but I legitimately begged for uh, Code to get into this closed alpha. Um... If those of you who haven't been to the site for the last couple of days, I, I, we just published a play view of this uh, that goes pretty in-depth on uh, the game, but it is, like all play views, it's part video preview, part let's play. Um, so I'm going to go dive a little bit deeper and maybe take some questions from you, Matt, about the game. I got you a code as well. You have not had a chance to yeah, play it, though, right? I haven't right? played it yet. I was, I was underwater. Yep. So well, it's a good thing that I did decide to play this. And as, as you guys know, if you've watched Game Face or if you've followed me for, through the years, I'm a big, big horror fan. Um, I love horror movies. I've been a little gore hound since I was like eight years old. Um, so I love games like this. And I would say if you are the type of person who gets squeamish playing scary games, don't go anywhere near this game. <laughs> I'm not kidding. This game is intense. Pretty much from the moment the match starts until the moment you die or you take down the boss. Um, I will say that the game is different than I thought. So let me just give you kind of a quick rundown of the gameplay loop. So when you start, you go into matchmaking. 
Um, you don't like create your own character in this game and then build up your character. You get what are called recruits. So when you first boot it up, they give you a little bit of money and they give you a, the option of three different characters to choose from. And each one has a price you have to pay to essentially rent that player. And each character or recruit has different attributes. They have different weapons, different um, things that they did, devices that they can use. They have different buffs and things like that. So you choose which one you want, you pay the money, and then he is that is your player for the game. Then you go into matchmaking. You get matched up with one other player. So the whole game is teams of two, which I love because this game could very easily turn into a grief fest. Um, so you only need one person that you can trust to join up and play. And I will say, all the people who are on the uh, the alpha are amazing. Like they were, I did not run into one jerk the whole time I've been playing this, and I played it for three or four days. So you team up with one other person. You spawn into the world, and in this world, there are teams of two all over the map. Um, and the, basically what you're trying to do is you're trying to find a boss. In some ways, it's a boss rush game. Um, there's one boss on the map, and all the teams are trying to be the first one to find it and then kill it. Um, and so to find the boss, the map is pretty large. It's not quite PUBG size, maybe a half of the size of a PUBG map, something like that. And what happens is you have this ability called Dark Sight. And you push a button and you go into this spiritual world. And what it does is it shows you where clues are. And they appear, and you can see right there, I'm kind of looking up over the hill where the clue is. There are these blue globules of light. Um, and you just basically start making your way towards those clues. Now, the clues are the same for every team. So every team is using dark sight and finding the clues, and they're trying to get to the clue. Because what happens is when you get to a clue and you activate it, it will darken parts of the map and to show you that, hey, the boss is not in this part of the map. Um, but as you might also guess, you get like bottlenecks at the clues because all the teams are going to the clues trying to get the clue and then trying to go to the next one until it's narrowed down and it shows you exactly where the boss is. Um, so there are three different clues that you have to find in each match. Once you find the third one, literally an icon on the map says, the boss is right here, and you go to, to that house. So along the way, you're having these interactions with other teams sometimes you get killed like i've a lot of the games will end at like the first clue because you'll come rolling in some dude will be in a bush like waiting for you to come show up and he'll just cap you or whatever mm, Fortnite but, style but you can't but here's the thing you can't just kill the other teams because ultimately you have to fight these the boss at the end and the bosses are total bullet sponges like you have to fill them full of lead to drop them so there's this uneasy alliance that you have with other teams while you're playing the game because you realize you may actually need their help to beat the boss just two people trying to take down a boss i never managed to do it with just two people so it's possible probably maybe once you upgrade and get better weapons it'll be easier but I, we were never able to do it as just two players to take down the boss and so once you do manage to take and this is there's one of the clues right there and sometimes they'll have guys camp in there jump scares are pretty much non-existent in the game they're pretty respectful with how they do that stuff but this was one case where oh my gosh there's a clue and you come around the corner and dude pops up so you can see maybe i'll even show in this footage so yeah you can see how it closes off part of the map and now you know that southern side of the map is where the boss is get one more clue it'll show you the exact house that the boss is in so once you find the boss you have to crank open the door and you go into the building where you're going to fight the boss and while you're in there, other teams can show up because once you discover the boss, 
it sends a signal out to all the other teams saying, hey, a team has found the boss. And they can look on their map and it'll show them where the boss is. So as soon as you go into that room, you have to expect that the other teams are going to then rush in and try to either kill you and kill the boss or help you kill the boss. Again, it's like an uneasy alliance. Um, the other thing you have to keep in mind while you're playing is that other players can hear you. So there's enemies scattered all over the map, just random zombie-like creatures, some really big creatures, dogs. Um, and you can choose whether you want to fight them or not. Sometimes they're fast enough that they'll track you down and you kind of have to fight them. But you can try to kind of go stealth and like avoid them if you want to. But if you talk to your teammate, which is very, very important, everything can hear you. The enemies can hear you. Your, the other teams can hear you. If you fire your gun, the other team can hear you and come looking for you. So, like, in this game, a lot of games I just leave the mic on all the time. In this game, I don't do that. I, I have push to talk enabled so that it's not picking up when my wife comes in and says, Shane, what are we having for dinner or whatever? Because <laughs> it'll literally, like, draw people to you. So there's all these kind of mind games going on, and then ultimately one team finds the boss. And once that happens, everyone's alerted. Here's where the boss is, and all the teams come rushing into the boss base. Now, so you know, when you find the clues, it's you only your team gets to see that, yeah? Or does yes. it do that for everybody? And let, until somebody finds the boss. Okay. Yeah. So only, yeah, it's not, if somebody else finds a clue, it doesn't cut off a piece of the map for you. You have to do it all yourself until someone finds the boss. And at that point, <coughs> the map basically is irrelevant. It shows you exactly where it is, and then you try to run and get there before they can take the boss out. Mm -hmm. So... From your perspective, unless you're in one of these uneasy alliances where you're working with another team, you want to get there first, you want to drop the boss as quickly as possible, and then you want to set up because once you take down the boss, it's not over. You have a, a period of time where you basically have to defend. So in this case, it's kind of it turns into kind of like a horde mode where the other teams start coming to where the boss where you fought the boss, and you have to defend that location for a period of time. After you defend the location for a period of time, then you have to take the loot and you have to extract it. A lot like the division, like the dark zone in the division. And so if you're the team who decided not to help fight the boss or, did, or didn't fight the boss and didn't kill the boss, or maybe you missed that, that horde mode section of the game, you can always just go and camp at the extraction point. So you, as a player, you're never free of tension in this game. The way they have designed it is really brilliant. Like... When you are creeping up towards that extraction point with the bounty, you are just on pins and needles. Because you're like, cause you don't know. It never tells you, like, all the other teams are dead. You never know if ever, all the other teams have been eliminated or not. So you're always on pins and needles walking to that extraction point, waiting to sort of get your, get your loot. Um, the other things I like about it is it encourages team play. Um, if your partner survives till the end with you, you both get bonuses. So you're incentivized to keep your teammate alive, which cuts down on griefing significantly. Um, this game would be kind of right for griefing, I will say that, if you don't end up partnered with somebody who is interested in succeeding at the game. Because mm. all someone has to do is just fire their gun six times. And all the other teams around you will know where you are, and they can come and kill you. Um, so there's like that, uh, that balance to walk. It's like, I don't want to kill too many of the other teams because we may need them at the end. But I don't want there to be everybody left because then it just turns into a free-for-all at the end. We could kill the boss and it could come in and swoop up the loot and take it to the extraction point and get all the cash. So you're, it's like this mental gymnastics thing. You're always thinking in the back of your mind, like, is someone following us? And then you get mixed in with the wildlife and the, the monsters that are on the map. Um, it's, uh, it is an intense, intense game. 
Um, I never got to play in the daylight. Every map that I played was in the dark. I don't know if maybe they had daylight maps. I know there are daylight maps. Um, I don't know if maybe they cycled those out of the alpha by the time I started playing them or whatever, but every game I played was at night. Uh, and I know it's probably hard for you guys to see a lot of this B-roll. Uh, but if you're watching the archive of this, I highly recommend turning down the lights um, while you're watching this part of the show to see the detail. Because the game is also flipping gorgeous. It is, it's made by Crytek. Um, and you can see Crytek's pedigree throughout mm. the entire thing. The lighting and everything in it is just incredible. Um, I am having a blast with this. Uh, it doesn't seem like this game is getting anywhere near the hype that it should be getting. Uh, here's a boss fight, by the way. So this is one of the spider boss. And you're basically in this barn fighting this spider. Um, and just the pitter-patter of the spider's feet. The, the audio in this game is incredible. The sound design is incredible. The spatial audio for the surround sound is absolutely amazing. Like, uh, the spider goes on all four walls. And he's very fast. You could lose sight of him, but the surround sound actually tells you where he is. And sometimes you can hear him, like, like pattering up behind you. And you're like, oh my god, you turn around, like, right there he is, and he's... I'm having a blast with this game. I really, really like it. I don't want the alpha to end. I don't want to stop playing it. Um, I feel like people should be paying attention to this game. There hasn't been a lot of media for it. Crytek, in my opinion, has not done a great job promoting the game. Um, but It doesn't help that it's PC only. Yeah, for now. So the game started development like five years ago. It's been in development for a long time. It was originally announced as a free-to-play game. Crytek has since walked back on that. It is not going to be free-to-play they haven't announced how much it's going to cost. My guess is probably 25 20 bucks maybe. Um, and then maybe they get you with microtransactions to upgrade gear and stuff like that. Because that, it's still there. Like, you know, the, the whole gear upgrade system and everything is still in there. Um, but yeah, it's just not been marketing or promoting this game very well, in my opinion. Um, so I do recommend, if you're, if you're looking for something different and you like horror games, I would go to its game page on Sifted and I would follow this game. Hmm. You're not going to get bombarded with media because they aren't putting out a ton of it, uh, but you'll be kept up to date on console versions if they're eventually announced. Like right now, Crytek's official line is possibly PS4 and Xbox One, uh, but only PC for now, so we don't know that yet. There's no release date for it yet. Mm -hmm. Um, but well, they, it, li they like money, so I'd guess console versions are in the cards. I somewhere. would think. I honestly think that this game has an opportunity to become like huge, um, but I, they're not marketing it very well right now. I mean, obviously we're helping here by talking about it on Game Face, and obviously we publish a play view for it. Um, but this game's flying under the radar, and maybe at E3 maybe. this year it kind of comes out from under the covers. I feel like a that's bit. the last time I heard about it was E3. They don't release hardly anything for it. Like there's like one tr one official trailer that they put out for it. I think Sam's rolling it right now. But uh, it's I, look, you know, in the play view we talk about some of the failures from asymmetrical multiplayer games like Evolve and and Friday the Thirteenth. Um, this one definitely feels like something different, and it's not so complicated and convoluted that you're just kind of left wondering what to do like you were with Evolve. And it's a better game than Friday the 13th was. Like, I feel like Friday the 13th kind of is carried on its novelty. The fact that it has that IP or that license tied to it is why a lot of people play it. This is the best of the bunch of the asymmetrical multiplayer games, and I'm only playing the closed alpha. So I can't imagine when all the features are in there, it's optimized. It does run a little rough at times. No, it's Crytek. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they push hardware to the limits, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but I think this really has an opportunity. I wouldn't even be surprised if this does come out this year, if this is one of those games that gets some Dark Horse Game of the Year mentions at the end of the year. So 
Keep an eye on this one, folks. I'm having a blast with it. In fact, I'm going to play more this weekend. My work is done with it at this point. I mm. put up the play view. I've talked about it on Game Face. Um, I don't have to do anything more with it until it comes out, basically. And I want to go back and play it. So I'm having fun. You guys might. And in fact, I think you can go to huntshowdown.com or whatever, and you can still apply to get into the closed alpha. Although it seems like they've let a lot of people in because. I never have to wait long to uh, get a game. Literally, like, a couple seconds. Uh, the loading is really long. That's mm. one thing I'll say. Playing a closed alpha, you expect oh, stuff like that. Also CryEngine. Also CryEngine, exactly. It does take a long time once you get a partner to get into a game. Uh, I guess I should have mentioned before we move on about leveling up. Um, so, as I mentioned earlier, you have the recruits, like the people that you pay for to play with. You can level them up. But th there's permadeath. So if you go into a match and they die, and ultimately there's only one winner of every match, or mm -hmm. two, if you have a team, um, they're gone. And then you have to buy another one. And if you run out of cash, then they end up giving you these freebies that you can play with, but then you don't get as much XP. Um, so in addition to leveling up the recruits, which I, the best I ever got to level up to was like level three before he died, uh, you also level up your account. And as you reach new levels from the XP that you get from playing, you unlock new weapons that you can purchase. So very simple progression system, but still effective and uh, a lot of fail-safes in place to keep griefers from sort of gaming the system, so to speak. So I'm loving it. I hope you guys can get in. If you do, let's play. I'm Dinfire on Steam, just like I am anywhere else, and I will definitely play with you guys. I'll be on there this weekend. So let's move on. All kinds of little leaks coming out. Yeah this week just like little tidbits here and there uh, most of the stuff incredibly reliable um in this case though this is actually information that came from official channels at square enix the new avengers game is going to be a game as a service essentially mm -hmm. with no further details yeah that means uh interesting i mean they said it'll be a world that you'll be able to love and play in for years to come yeah, I've heard that before. Um, <laughs> I mean, I wonder if that's like kind of the effort of trying to replace uh, the revenue stream that was Marvel Heroes, um, which was basically the same idea. Um, you wonder what, you know, because usually I think game as a service sort of conjures up ideas of like a Destiny 2 sort of thing. You wonder how that model can be applied to the Avengers? Because it's like, is everyone just going to play Iron Man? Or is yeah, there going to be like 8 million Iron Man running around. I mean, that's how Marvel Heroes did it. Um, you had a ton of different characters to pick from, and it was the idea was it was like a multiverse thing, and so like you're just seeing alternate universe versions of each other. Or do you really create a character, and then just the sort of the quest givers right. are the, MP the NPCs, or are that, the Avengers? See, that is How would that work? That would not work. It would be a mistake. Because you know who tried to do that? DC Universe Online. And yeah. you know what was not very compelling? DC Universe Online. <laughs> there are some people um, that swear by it, though. Oh, sure. But it's like, you don't get to be Batman. You just get to kind of be a guy like Batman. And sometimes you talk to Batman. Like, that's not... I, like It did last a long time. I mean, it's still going, DC Universe Yeah, it's Universe still going. Online. But it's like, I don't think that's... That's not how you hook the mainstream. If you want this to really be a big mainstream hit, like, you gotta let people play as the characters they want to play as. Yeah. And just, you know, what, and like, so how many Hulks can there be? You know, I don't, so I don't know what this means. Like, or if it's just going to be like a, the multiplayer is going to be like some kind of asymmetrical thing or everybody picks kind of an Overwatch style, like, 
you know, if it's just like Avengers versus Hydra sort of thing, and like you know, you're talking about selling loot boxes or or like oh, you know, there's gonna be loot boxes, but it's like <laughs> you know, that's gonna happen. But it's just like games as a service can mean anything at this point. It can yeah, mean right. it can mean a complete free for all sort of. You know, like Marvel Heroes style thing can mean a, you know, it could just mean like, oh, we're selling uh, costumes in boxes during multiplayer. It could mean, any, you know, who knows? Um, it doesn't really tell us anything except Square is doing what everybody else is doing. Well, it was interesting. Like, I, I knew before the show that we only had that very short teaser that you guys have already seen um, for this game. So I started digging around trying to find other Avengers games. And there aren't any. Not really. There was one for that THQ was working on. Yeah. And, and Sam, like a, go ahead and roll that other footage that we have there for that the canceled one that was kind of a like a. It's like a first person. Yeah, it was almost open a, world. It was almost a Borderlands style thing. Yeah, it actually looks kind of freaking cool. Yeah, there's some good ideas in here if you watch some of the some of this killed footage. But, but yeah, this was like before THQ filed for bankruptcy. Yeah. And way before it ended up kind of being purchased as properties being purchased by other publishers and way before Nordic Games changed their name to THQ. Um, this is kind of cool. First person game playing as your favorite Avengers. Um, do you think that that's, this is kind of what we're going to be looking at? Could be. I mean... You think it'll be a first person game or a third person game? Um, I don't know. I mean, third person seems like a, a, a safer bet when you're talking about characters that people right. like to play as. When you're talking about paying that kind of money for the IP. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, you know, this looks fine, too. I mean, it could be both. Who knows? It's hard to balance both. And, you know, usually one or the other is more playable. But I don't know. Like, we don't know enough about this to really speculate, I would say. It's just, it's whatever they're going to make is what they're going to make. And who knows how long it's going to take. And, yeah, you've got these little third person, like, little, like, finishing moves you could do in this. I think the only things they had working in this was Iron Man and the Hulk. Yeah. But, but it, I think the con... I like the idea of playing in first person and those cutaways of third person, but... I don't like melee in first person. Either. Yeah, it's always awkward. And that's pretty much all the and Hulk I, does, so... And I'd rather, I'd rather <laughs> see the character. Well, I think, too, if you're Square Enix and you've paid a king's ransom yeah. for this IP, do you make a game where you don't actually see the characters? Like, that's tough. Also, I think I saw a second there, another yeah, Hulk. There was another Hulk and yeah. there was a Thor in there. So I guess but... their idea was that, yeah. Also, they're fighting the Skrulls, which is interesting. Yeah. So I think, guess their idea was, yeah, absolutely, there will be yeah. five million Where Hulks running be. around. Which is probably, I mean, that, that was, there's Captain America, okay. Yeah. It, it's, I see where they're going, I kind of dig it. Yeah, I would have totally played this game. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely would have played it. More than probably a lot of THQ games that I played in the past, I'd be more excited to play it. But uh, so, you, do you think it can work as a Destiny-style game? I mean, maybe. Oh, look at the Wolverine scroll. That's adorable. <laughs> um, I mean, anything can work. I mean, who knows? Like, I just don't know what their idea is. Like, you think we'll a, see it at E3? Eh, Another trailer, probably. May, yeah, maybe a full trailer, but like. Gameplay seems unlikely. Yeah, like, I don't think we, I doubt we don't it. like we don't know how far they are chatting it up though. Coming yeah. into E3, that's usually a sign that maybe they're going to show something. I feel like we'll get like a CG trailer or something. Like it's going to be you know. We got so little. All we saw is yeah. just like E3, I mean, E3 is seconds. coming on the heels of uh, Infinity War, which is going to be dominating the conversation at the time. Absolutely. So. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I just. I don't. I don't really know what you do with any Marvel video games. Have always been a little. 
yeah. You know, like, I was wondering what word you were going to come up with there. <laughs> like, I, like, when you think about the great Marvel video games, it's like a couple of Spider-Mans, maybe. That's it, yeah. Like, and people say Spider-Man 2, but Spider-Man 2 is terrible. Like, yeah. like the, the, the web swinging is great. The game is terrible. Yeah, it is, um, yeah. The only Spider-Man game I would really call a really good game is probably Web of Shadows. Uh, yeah. The um, eh. even that maybe a little bit of a. It's fine. I mean, it does it. It simulates the Spider-Man thing pretty well. It gets yeah. everybody in there. Combat uh, was pretty good in that. Too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they had something. If, if Shaba Games had been allowed to do a couple more iterations, I think they would have had something really good. Well, obviously we have Insomniac's game coming up. That's right. that will probably end like, up being the best Marvel game ever. Yeah. But like, I mean, like you you talking about Marvel there games? Was a Wolverine game that was pretty good. Yeah, Wolverine, uh, the Wolverine Origins game where the movie got delayed a year and yeah. Raven basically got to polish the game for another year. Like, yeah. that game was great. It was, yeah. Um, that was a great God of War kind of style Wolverine game, which was M-rated. And that was, a whole, that was a great story behind all that where, like, basically, originally, Wolverine Origins was going to be rated R. And they were going to, and that's why the game was M. And then they decided, Fox pulled back and was like, no, we want, the movie's going to be PG-13, we're going to reshoot some stuff, redo some stuff. Like, oh, the game has to be a T. And they're like, we'd have to re-render all the CGs, which would cost this much. And they're like, okay, the game's an M. You know, yeah. like, no. um, <laughs> and better for it, actually. And, oh, it was great. And, uh, well, I don't know, great, but like, it was fun. And it, yeah. it, it was Wolverine. Like, you well, felt like you're playing Wolverine. Put it to you this way, it was a great Marvel video right. game. <laughs> But like There's beyond, a bar there is but a like beyond that, you're looking. I mean, like I guess like the X Men Legends, uh, Marvel Ultimate Alliance games are pretty good. Diablo e game. Yeah. Like, but like I feel like DC has been much more successful trans. At the very least, translating Batman. Yeah. To, I mean, there's nothing in the Marvel canon that matches up to the Arkham, Arkham Asylum and City. You're right. Um, I don't know why, and which is also funny because, like, for years, Batman was the, was a tough nut to crack too. If anybody, if you really want to torture yourself, go play Batman Dark Tomorrow. Go on, play the Batman the game on GameCube. That yeah. is it. That's it. <laughs> That's so bad. Chemco, I think, yeah, was the Chemco publisher. Chemco made that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that yeah. game was highly anticipated too, man. Like the oh, very. Yeah. Like, the, when the GameCube was first shown off, the screenshots from that game were always on, like, the magazine covers. Mm -hmm. It was always one of the lead images on features for the GameCube. And he looked like... That was the, the other thing about that was, like... Because I remember going to a, an event for that in San Francisco. It was a big... Like every, it was all the, so bad. All the top people... All the top game journalists were there. I, the first time I met, like, a whole bunch of guy, guys with names I recognized. It was early on in, the, in my, my time at Tech TV. And I, was, I remember I was one of the only people that played the game at the event. Oh, I played like, it. It like was everyone, so bad. Everyone, well, because they had it there to play, and I was like, I'll play. Everyone else is just drinking the free drinks, and I yeah. was like, I'll play. And like all everyone, all the developers were around me. I was like, What do you think? What do you think? And I'm like, uh. It doesn't work. <laughs> I, get the, I can't grapple anything. At that point, it had already been delayed like yeah. four times. But it was it like, was it was also like, it was one of the first Batman games in a long time where Batman was looked like Batman, oh, yeah. and not the character the model was the only good part of the and game. not the animated series. Because right. for a long time, it was the animated animated series. It was a right. the, what was it, uh, Dark Vengeance or something like that, yeah. or Batman Vengeance or something like that it was like another GameCube game that's based on the animated series, yeah. which actually came out and was actually pretty good. Yeah, it wasn't bad. Yeah. But Dark Tomorrow, I mean, I, don't, I I think that was only on the GameCube. That was like the next Superman 64. Yeah. Ironically, also a, an Nintendo exclusive. Yeah. And I always remember everyone going, Chemco? <laughs> yeah. Why, how did they game? get the like, license? Yeah, isn't that crazy? They'd never be able to get it now. Yeah. That's for sure. So, well, and, I, and like Mar yeah, Marvel versus Capcom. Like, it's like Marvel's had good 
games, but like they've been games that were like inserting the Marvel characters into fighting games is like different than like making a like a Arkham Asylum that captures the character, you know. Yeah. What I mean? And Marvel's never really managed to do that outside of Spider-Man, arguably. Yep. So um, it's gonna be. I mean, if if the you know, Crystal Dynamics, I think, can pull it off. They have the talent to pull it off, but I just I have no idea what they're, what they're planning to do. Like I just don't have any theory. Certainly, there's an opportunity there to have a really good Marvel. Yeah. Game. And of course, the question comes up: like, Do you have Robert Downey Jr.? Do you have you know, do you have the actors from Probably the movies? Probably not. Like, well, you know, who knows what contracts they sign. Yeah. You know, they might be well, obligated to do something That's true. like that. That's true. Um, or you're going to have somebody trying to sound like Robert Downey Jr., which can, like, you know, it, it, you don't like to say it, but it's like, yeah, it kind of makes it feel cheap if yeah. you're if you like, some sound-alike guy. But who knows? Like, I, whereas, like, you know, Chris... Uh, Chris uh, Pratt? Pratt would probably just do it. Oh, yeah, because he's just, like, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Robert Downey Jr., yeah, not right. necessarily, though. Downey Jr., I mean, who knows? He's an enigma in a lot of ways. Well, Downey Jr. will show up if you pay him. Right. I mean, he's, Well, yeah. Yeah. Or if you, like... If you pay him well. Pay him, or if you, like, agree to donate to his charity or something. The dude, he does stuff. But, yeah. Like, you gotta make it worth his time. Yep. And uh, we'll see what happens. Cause, well, uh, hopefully this game is ultimately worth all our time. Yeah. It's a big and bet it, for Square And it's taken a lot of time. It is. That's for sure. Yeah, all we've got is that little teaser at this point. So hopefully at E3 we'll get more. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about something. Actually, we're not, I don't know if we're going to talk about something. I just want to toot my own horn on this one, Matt. Because I don't mm -hmm. know if you remember or not, but late last year, I mentioned that I had talked to someone in the know and that Metroid Prime 4 was being developed by Bandai Namco. And I said, take it with salt because I don't know for sure, but my the source that I heard it from, I trusted a lot. And lo and behold, today, this morning... Things were leaking out earlier in the week, but then this morning it was actually verified that, in fact, Metroid Prime 4 is being developed by Bandai Namco Singapore. Um, how do you feel about that? I don't know what else they've done, so... Uh, what did they do? That's a good question, actually. Mm. I don't either. Or maybe that's <laughs> the point. Yeah, I don't know. We don't know what they've done before. Um, but how do you just feel about... Metroid Prime 4 not being developed in-house. Like, well, it never has been. Well, I mean... Retro's not in-house. It is. No, I mean, not. they're owned by Nintendo. They're owned by Nintendo, but they're a different group. I mean, uh, looks like they worked on Ace Combat and Ridge Racer. All right. Also, um, Ridge Racer 8 allegedly is a Switch exclusive, mm -hmm. which will probably be announced at E3. Ridge Racer. But, I mean, look, to most people, Retro is Nintendo. It's owned by Nintendo. It's considered yeah, a first I, I party. Don't, I don't think of them as Nintendo. I think of them as their own thing. They, they, they have a different flavor than Nintendo in general. I know they're owned by them, but like a retro game is different. You know? Well, let me put it to you this way. Metroid Prime is a first party Nintendo game. This will not be a first party Nintendo game. This will be mm -hmm. second party, I guess, yeah. only because of the IP they're giving them from Nintendo. Well, I'm sure they're super... But again... Um... Not a huge track record with the Bandai Namco partnership, I would say. Uh, well, the Star, actually, their Star Fox game did not turn out well. Yeah, we actually have some footage of Star Fox Assault queued up on the TriCaster we can take a look at. Um, but they look, Bandai Namco has had partnerships with Nintendo for a while. It yeah. had, it did, Pokemon Tournament was done by yeah, Bandai Namco. A very Smash strong... Brothers was done by Bandai Namco. Mm, yep. Not wholly. It was. They worked it, on it. It worked on the development, and I think it created the 3DS version, didn't it? Completely. I don't know. So this relationship that Nintendo has had with. I mean, clearly there's a strong working relationship. Well, then there was the Pac-Man versus stuff back on mm -hmm. the GameCube. For whatever reason, 
Nintendo just loves it some Bandai Namco. Ban- Namco. Bandai Namco on Smash Brothers? I don't yeah, know. they did work on Smash Brothers. How, what do they do? Like I, 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 I can't remember. I what. saw the credit, but I figured it was just because Pac-Man's in it. No, they had some help on development, and I think mm-hmm. they had a bigger hand in the 3DS version of it. And of course, they completely created from scratch Pokémon Tournament. So this relationship has been a thing for a while. But you're absolutely right. This game that we're looking at right now, Star Fox Assault, was an assault on on my senses. Mm-hmm. And my appreciation for Star Fox, it was terrible. There was like all these on foot running sections where you had like a rocket launcher strapped onto your shoulder. Yeah. I don't know why like people keep making the error that like people that, that anybody would want to get out of the R wing in these games. Like, like just give me a space shooter. Like what is wrong with people? I don't think the approach is wrong with maybe something like like what Rare did with Star Fox. Like, sort of, but at the same time, it's like... Star but even Fox Rare is... tried to shoehorn in some shooting segments into that Yeah, game. but Star Fox is flying around shooting stuff in a, in a spaceship. Like, it's, it'd be like if you made me have to run a marathon in F-Zero. Like, that's not what we're here for, you know? And I know there's a, char- a strong character-driven element to Star Fox, but there's also characters in F-Zero, G- F-Zero, but you don't make me get out of the car. Of course, you don't make F-Zero games anymore. So. Well, Maybe F-Zero GX, though, yeah, there was a huge story component to yeah. that. But you weren't actually like out walking around right. like a no, world, or like, yeah. I didn't have to walk around and talk to people, or like you know, jump over platforms or anything like that. Like one thing I will say though is, if you watch this footage, it is the most cinematic Star Fox game ever. Yeah, more cinematic than the the Switch Star Fox game, which was god awful. Switch? A uh, Wii U? Oh yeah, Wii U. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, yeah, that was. Well, the, the Star Fox Zero was more sunk to me by the gimmick. Yeah. Uh, you know, just just give me a game to play. And that's the thing about, you know, Metroid Prime, of course. It's like, if you just make a solid Metroid game that uses the controller and doesn't waste my time, like, I'm pretty much like, but I feel like it's going to be full of Joy-Con crap. Um, Probably. That's my, that's my concern, because I want to be able to play it with a pro controller. I want to use the Joy-Con stuff. I loved, Met- I loved playing uh, Metroid Prime 3 with motion controls. I don't. I thought like it was it. amazing. Um, and look, I was... I, I'm never... not a hater on the kind of lock-on controls that they had on GameCube, mm-hmm. um, but I love being able to aim with a pointer. I, don't... Yeah, I just thought it was way more accurate and uh, way more fun. I really enjoyed it, and I'm sure yeah, they'll have I never... both. Metroid Prime 3 is the only one I never finished, because really? I, I hate motion controls for that stuff. I'd rather use a controller and press a button. Like, I don't, that's not what I'm, I'm not here to wave my hands around. I'm you didn't have to do that with Metroid, though. Although, it was, I, I liked I that care. part of it, I too. I liked how you could throw... Um, you had like this ability to like reach out and pull shields yeah, the pulling, off. The pulling and the grapple thing and all this. I just I, I thought I that was so satisfying. I, I don't like that. I I just press a, you know also because like there's a, you know you never know. Sometimes it would it would just screw up. Like the thing wouldn't wouldn't track it right. And it's like you know what always tracks right? My goddamn analog stick. <laughs> like I don't need this this ooh immersion. You know just give me a button to press. Uh, I like care. I I hear you, but they're gonna give to you say, the button just, to press. But I hope that for people like me, yeah, I but really I don't know. Like if, the I don't know controls. if they will because like Mario Odyssey, like you still have to rattle the controller around and do a couple of those moves there's no way to do and it's got they got more than enough buttons to use for it so like all, I'm, that's my only concern about metroid prime 4 is really like it's going to be a it's going to be a joy-con motion control fest that i don't want to play well my um, concern about metroid prime 4 is that it's not being made by retro like retro had the secret sauce to making this franchise awesome like i don't know that you can just say okay go play all the prime games Nam- Bandai Namco, and now you know how to make a good Metroid Prime game. I don't believe that at all. Like, it could end up being like a really campy, cheesy, corny game. Yeah. I mean, honestly. It could be Other M all I over mean, again. I mean, honestly, a lot of Japanese games are that way. Yeah. And 
so it makes me very nervous to know that this game was being developed in the East, first of all. Didn't it's we like, kind of know that, though? Like, you know, they, they sort of hinted that it's like it's, another, it's a new team or whatever. But well, like, they, Retro had already gone on record saying that they it was, weren't it's creating not them, for sure. Right. And like, if it's not Retro, it's probably a Japanese team, right? I guess. Well, that's I mean, not Japanese. It's a Singapore team. Right, right yeah. But it's an Eastern team. And so if I do assume that, I still assume it's being developed in-house at EAD or one or mm. Nintendo, their Tokyo studio or whatever. Yeah, but that doesn't preclude it from having been cheesy. That's true. <laughs> so I am extremely nervous about Metroid Prime 4. To be, I'm, while I'm Man, I'd be bloating extre- a little bit that I actually had the tip on this I'd a little I'd be extremely early. nervous about Metroid Prime if it was retro. Like, Really? It's, a, it's been a long time. People that made that game, those games great are probably not entirely there anymore. Like, I don't know. Most of that team has stayed intact. I don't know. And retro, even though they've made games that I didn't care for all that much over the last couple years... Their games are still really good. And if you like side-scrolling platformers, the Donkey Kong Country games are about as good as it gets mm-hmm. right now. So there's still a lot of talent there. Yeah, but returning to any you know, venerable series after a long time you know, in the can is, uh, you know, it's, you, you wonder, if, is, is there anything still there? Is it, you, can you nail it again? been a long time you know do you feel the need to update it and make it you know make it more modern or whatever and it's like sometimes that can be a uh, help and sometimes that can be a hindrance like there's a lot of x factors in bringing metroid prime back and uh you know in, in this world of so um, why toss an even bigger x factor in there i give it to a studio who's completely un- that's completely unproven and never made games in the genre before i mean the actual answer is because nobody gives a shit about metroid I mean, it doesn't sell particularly well. No, and like I mean, Nintendo certainly doesn't give a shit about Metroid, and they have retro making the, their you know moderately lucrative Donkey Kong games that they know how to make and they don't have to worry about, and uh, they'll just do this. And they got you know who knows? I mean, who knows how recently they even decided to do this game? You know, maybe it was like oh those guys can do something like that. Oh, you guys do it. You guys do it and get it done, and we can tell the fans that we got a Metroid game out. We squeezed a Metroid game onto the Switch. I think what concerns me the most is that there really there are no other games like Metroid Prime, games Mm -hmm. that are kind of equal mix of action and exploration. Um, That exploration side of it, that feeling of isolation you get playing Prime games, that is something that's all Metroid. I mean, that's yeah, you're right. But converting that into 3D. It's a, you have to walk a balance of action and isolation. And Retro, to me, just had that quotient nailed. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also made sure that the parts where you're just walking around investigating, scanning, weren't boring. And they were paced in such a way that you never had to wait too long to get to an action sequence to where it started to wear out mm-hmm. their welcome. So, well, you kind of hope that Retro's maybe consulting to some degree. Also, the, the, the ballparks in Retro's games are awesome. Mm-hmm. Like the puzzles that they were. These are out. all these are all things you can just emulate. These are all things you can see and the, you understand how it works, and Namco can just do it. We'll and see. The question becomes like, what are they going to quote unquote innovate? What are they going to quote unquote improve? And that's where my concern lies. Not just not just for them, but it would be there for retro as well, because you know retro is very good at what they do, but Nintendo's still the one calling the shots. And if they decide they want to have tons of 3D rumble motion control crap. Like that's gonna. Oh, sink I definitely the, think that's, that's gonna, gonna sink the game. For I, them, I think it's definitely gonna happen. You're gonna. They'll be there. They're just gonna use all the functionality of the Joy Cons. I right. guarantee well, my, it. Well, my just request is like, let me play it with a real controller. Fair enough. Like, like I, I think you'll be able put, to put all the all the waggly crap in there you want, but as, as long as it can translate to an actual button and an analog stick, 
I'm fine. You know, Mario Odyssey did it well enough. If you just make me wiggle the controller once, you know, shake it to do a thing once in a while, okay. Like, fine, we got to yeah. do that. But like, I just want a freaking video game. I don't want to. I don't want an experience. I don't want a right. theme park ride. I don't want a Samus simulator. I want to play Metroid. Save that for stuff like Nintendo Labo. Right. Well, you want me to build Samus' a ship out of cardboard? We'll talk about. It. I, might, <laughs> I might do that. That's cool. That would be cool. And I would not be surprised actually. If Nintendo Labo stuff ends up getting licensed things mm-hmm. that are Metroid, where you can build like a Metroid ship, or you can build like yeah, I'll be a little, I'll be a little like Papercraft Labo Metroid or Metroid or a Samus or whatever. Yeah. Like it's you know that's some cool stuff. I mean, more interesting to me than a piano. Yeah, for sure, it makes sense. I did love that that story about the German ratings board. They, like the they almost threw it out because <laughs> they thought oh yeah they, they thought, thought it was, it was trash. <laughs> Before it could get rated, that's that's very funny. That's kind of a wake up call for Nintendo. I'm guessing it probably scared the crap out of Nintendo before they announced it. They're like, "Oh my God, no! <laughs> How's the public going to receive this?" The public's received it very well, though. So, all right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about Evo 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, Evo World. Yeah, I think I think they call it Evo World or something. Yeah, like that. I don't know why they would do that. Well, because Evo Japan just happens, right? So now they have to differentiate the Vegas one somehow. So Evo... I mean, they did differentiate it by calling the other one Evo Japan. Yeah, but Evo Vegas <laughs> has to be like bigger, right? Evo, Evo Evo World, I think, is what they're going with so far. <laughs> uh, I don't know if that's finalized, but I heard them call that a bit. They call it that a couple times during the Japan tournament. Yeah. So they announced the games that are going to be there. Mm-hmm. Dragon Ball Fighters yep. is going to be there. But there's one game that is not going to be there, man. Well, I think I think Dragon Ball Fighters took this place. So Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite snubbed, mm-hmm. not going to be at Evo. That's a big deal. There well, was all kinds of consternation leading up to the announcement. People didn't know whether it was going to be in or not. Well, it's uh, well, the game's dead. I think this this pretty much confirms that that's the end of it. Um, because the, the thing is, like, look, if, if Capcom wanted it to be an Evo, it would be an Evo. Like, because Capcom just say, like, you put Marvel in or you don't get Street Fighter. You know, because they're That's sponsoring true. it. They're, yeah. you know, they're putting the money up, you know. Um, but clearly they're cutting their losses on this thing. And I think my girlfriend actually had a good point when, when that got announced where she said, you know, because they did that battle for the battle for the gems thing with it where, I, you know, the, the winner, it was a Capcom sponsored tournament. Um, had a bunch of different tournaments, and like for the big final thing, uh, the winner got like the Infinity Gauntlet with the gems or the box of gems or something. Um, she said at the end of that, they didn't announce any DLC, and like that's super traditional. You do a big tournament, you announce your next yeah, balance patch absolutely. or your DLC that's, or something like that. Always worked, yeah. And like they had nothing at the end of that, <laughs> and it's like, oh, well, that's basically, oh, that's bad. Like, yeah. that, that's that's like kind of your your death knell sign number one, and so like you know. My position on this being an Evo was always like, if they want it to be an Evo, it will be an Evo. And to me, this says Capcom is, they're cutting, they're cutting it loose. They're saying this is, and who knows what that means. Maybe they start over and do Marvel vs. Capcom 4 and try again, do it right this time. Make it look like Dragon Ball. Because you know what? You, made a Mar- you make a Marvel vs. Capcom game that looks like Dragon Ball Fighters. Yeah, it'll do very well. Yeah. And it played exactly like Dragon Ball Fighters. Because look, Dragon, I mean, I know they wanted to reuse Marvel, Marvel 3 assets, but it's like, Dragon Ball just ate your lunch, dude. Like it this did, game's yeah. been out for a couple months, and it's going to be an Evo. Um, and you've also got Guilty Gear. X, Not even a couple X, months. You got X. Guilty, like a month. Guilty Gear X. Well, it'll be a few months by the time right, Evo right. happens. But like, 
Guilty Gear Xrd or whatever that is, uh, that that does the same thing. Use 3D models to look like a 2D animated thing. Yeah. Like just take take Marvel vs. Capcom. Make no it one's gonna like hate. That. Make it look like that. <laughs> All they want is a good fighting game. Yeah. That represents the characters well. That's it. And, you know, like they, they are at a disadvantage in some part because of Marvel's rules on the license. It couldn't use the X-Men. couldn't right. use Doctor Doom. Uh, Marvel or... There's still plenty di- of characters, though. Yeah, but they weren't, you know... Marvel without Doom and the X and Wolverine and Storm and Magneto is, is a... Those I, are I, iconic. I get, I get yeah. that that's a hype killer. You yeah, know, yeah. it doesn't bother me too much because we've seen them so much, but it's like... Yeah, if, if you want, if you love that game, like those are iconic characters in those games. For sure. um, it'd be like not having Ryu or, or Strider. No, I guess they didn't have Strider in the MVC three at first, but they brought him in later. Yep. Um, but now that uh, Disney's buying Fox Pictures, you know the Fox like that all is going to get worked out. So if you started to work on a Marvel, another Marvel versus Capcom, you could probably include the Fantastic Four stuff and the X Men stuff. You'd really just not, and you know, you still have Spider Man. Do you uh, think this will kill the franchise, though? I think it'll kill it for a while. Like, Capcom doesn't have... You know, and like, you know, Marvel's very sketchy when it comes to these game things. You know, who knows you know, how that license works, who's calling those shots, whether they think it's worth trying again. Like, I mean, Marvel vs. Capcom is a, is a venerable, you know, classic <laughs> gaming series, it but it's like, it, it depends very much on whether Marvel wants to do that with the license, or whether Capcom wants to spend the budget, whether Marvel wants to give them the budget. Like, I don't know the politics behind all this. We start thinking about maybe if the deal has some kind of... Uh sales-based incentives Maybe. where I if mean, Marvel was making most of its money based on sales... Well, look, who, I mean, clearly they had want to do it this, again? Well, clearly they'd intended to have this be like a Street Fighter-style season-based thing, you yep. know, and they're, it looks to me like they're killing that idea. They're bailing on it, Because yeah. they haven't said anything about it in forever. Well, it sold terribly. Yeah. And, like, to me, to me that says, like, hey, it doesn't mean that there's no appetite for this kind of game. It means you got to do it right. Yeah. And this, I think it's pretty clear. Once you get your hands on this thing, it feels like a pretty cheap follow-up. And, like, I don't think it's a coincidence they didn't call it 4. Street Fighter Five was kind of like that, though, too. A little bit. When it launched, I mean, it was bare bones, yeah. man. I mean, I think that hurt the game big time. And then Capcom doesn't really learn from it. For... Well, I think Capcom has learned from it if you look at how they've treated Arcade Edition for Street Fighter V. Right, but that was, right. that was too late for this. But obviously. think about how long that came out after. Yeah, two years. <laughs> I mean, you can't wait that long to get a game to the place where it should be at no. launch. You just but can't. But they've got, I mean, I think Monster Hunter World uh, was a solid launch. and like maybe Solid a... launch? Best, fastest selling Capcom game yeah. ever. And that is saying something, man. So maybe they got, they've learned something that turned, turned around somehow. I don't know who was at fault there. I don't know what, you know... Uh, we will never know the internal politics or logic of of how Capcom got Street Fighter V out out in the condition it was in, and now they've sort of turned it around to some degree. Yeah. Uh, although Abigail got to get nerfed. Um, <laughs> not just, I mean, what a boring character. Anyway, um, I think a lot of the characters in Street Fighter V aren't. Yeah, aren't but like really Abig- going to be around for the long haul. The, the community is is divided right now on the Abigail thing, but like it's just like you, there's all these videos of like somebody working super hard to get Abigail down, 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 and like Abigail's got that much life left, and then the person makes one mistake, and Abigail does some com- like two combos and, and a mix up that wipes the whole life bar out. And you're like, yeah. okay, that's great. Yeah, and it's like it's like you, you work that hard, and then they, they a lot get of like, people in tournaments play with Abigail. Yeah, well, there were there were a couple Abigails in the finals on Evo Japan, but uh, they got knocked out. Yeah, uh, it was. Uh, it's not impossible, but it's just 
it's a real they got to look at that again. Yeah. But uh, Marvel, like, once you get your hands on that game, I think it was very obvious that it was a, it was a very quick and dirty production. Um, I don't know who's where the blame lies on that. You know, whether you know Marvel wasn't going in fully, or whether they didn't want something that was you know quality the way Marvel three had been or Marvel two had been. But like, and the roster is very small because it takes a lot of. T- you know, I think we only got what was like six new characters total, and then yeah. like then you had the back Black Panther and Monster Hunter, which had been clearly hacked out of the main game to be sold as DLC because they're in the campaign. Yeah, you know, like like oh, so your 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 model was finished enough to put them in the cutscenes, but you didn't have the character done. To they got to build those three hundred thousand people for all their work. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like. You know, there's a there's a good Marvel versus Capcom four in here somewhere. Like you know, the, the mechanics aren't broken, aren't terrible, but like you got to put the effort in. You got to make it a complete package. And I still say, you got to make it look like Dragon Ball. I just don't think it looks right. It doesn't look. I think right. that's the problem. Very still. I mean, Chun Li's face in that E three trailer probably did more damage. It destroyed than it. Yeah. Any of that PR, any good PR could have won them. And honestly, I don't think most of the characters look as they should. No, it's. Uh... I mean, I, I thought they looked fine in three, but like for some, some, some they did the art style here just doesn't work. I mean, I don't like the the weird armored Captain America thing. Like, I feel like that you needed to, to have them be a little more their iconic selves. Um, the Capcom characters don't really mesh in the art style very well. Like, it's it it it's it's homogenous. You know, it's like it's like even in three, like you know, zero didn't look quite the same as you know everybody kind of kept their art proportions a little bit you could yeah. you, you, had a, you had a game where you felt you could put you know tron bond and her mech and the reserve bots in and i don't feel like that would fit in this and uh that's a that's a weakness in my opinion like i just feel like it's too late now it feels a little made it's, uh, i think it's game over for this game oh yeah this is too late to done. bring it back Infinite's yeah. totally done um i think if you made like a triumphant like full-fledged comeback with a called marvel vs. capcom 4 we redid everything. It looks like Dragon Ball Fighters and you know Guilty Gear Xrd and and you know it looks be- it's a beautiful two D looking kind of thing. It does justice to the comic art of the characters. Uh, it's got a full roster. The X Men are back. Uh, Doctor Doom's back. No one cares about the Fantastic Four. Um, <laughs> it, like, but, but you get like you know you you get those those characters people want back in. You get an art style that really pops. Uh, you get a roster that, you know, you're not going to get a roster that rivals Marvel vs. Capcom 2 because that was every 2D character they'd made. It's a lot a, easier to get uh, licenses. Yeah, you just, you yeah. just, well, it wasn't a license. It was just like a lot of the sprites were made already and they were able to just bring them in from other fighting games and pre- the previous versus games. Um, but you got you got to you got to go all out. You got to, you know, the, the fighting game world is more crowded now and people are going to decide, you know. Is it more crowded now? Yeah, there's stuff. I mean, the the idea that Dragon it seems like there are less fighting games now no, not than there at all. used to be. No, really? No, 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 no. We used to get all these like really cheap like in terms of, Japanese fighters. Oh back yeah, in but the I'm day. not talking about. I'm talking about the scene. I'm talking about the, uh, the thing okay. that makes fighters successful. The thing that gives them legs in life is like it used to basically be there's Street Fighter Four and like whatever else people are paying to put in the tournament. You know, like maybe Tekken gets gets in there. Maybe a Blaze Virtua Blue fighter, here and there. Yeah. Virtual Fighter was never anything. We're, Virtual Fighter 4, I thought, was oh, part I love, of the competitive scene. I mean, in the sense that, like, 90 people would sign up for a tournament. Like, it's, yeah. it's not... It was never a, a big deal. Was it an Evo, though? It appears... It was. it was never... I don't think it was ever a main event Evo game. Yeah. I mean, there's always side tournaments of any... I mean, there's going to be a big side tournament of Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite at Evo. But it's not going to be one of the eight games that is the main Right. It's a part of the official show. Yeah. You know, just like there's going to be a Dissidia 
tournament there. No, I mean, you know, the, 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 anything that's fighting games is going to be there. Well, yeah, because fans will just get together and right. play. But. Or you'll have, like, the companies are going to sponsor a little thing, but they are when not When I say, main, is it at Evo, I mean, they're not main stage. Of, yeah, right. the eight main stage games. Yeah. It is not one of those. Yeah. Um, but the idea that there are eight fighting games that are people worth playing at that level, and you know, for that kind of prestige, like, that's a big deal. That, that was not always the case. There was a time when it was more like five. You know? I think it's only at Evo, though. Sort of, but like it's there's still a living scene. There's still yeah. a living, you know, f- you know, it's the fighting game community is is larger and and it can support more of these games and people are more willing to give these games a chance. Like you, there was a time when people were like, no, I don't want to, you know, but the idea that like a licensed anime Dragon Ball game is actually good <laughs> enough to be, I mean that. That's a testament to how Bandai Namco went out and they went all out and they made something that like we got to make it good, we got to make it look good, we got to make it play good, we got to you know reach the fandom, but we also got to make it a fighting game that people find depth in and find worth playing and, and really want to dedicate themselves to. And they did it. They found and it's the like, right partner. They found our system works. Right. And, yeah. So and Cap- we know Capcom can make a game like that because Marvel Two is still probably more popular than Marvel Three and Infinite combined. Yeah. So. You just got to go back and you know go back to the, the the basics, go back to the roots, and do something like what they what Namco did with the uh, Arc System Works. Make a Marvel game that we all get excited about again. You can bring that hot Marvel. The the community is ready yeah, to the be IP community is ready dead. to be hyped about Marvel yeah, again. Yeah, but absolutely. like, there's nothing to be hyped about in Infinite. Yeah, like you, you got to give us the game. Yeah. You got to give us the game we want to be hyped about. Yep. All right, let's move on to our last topic of the week. This is our advantage of being on a Friday. Mm. I see it every week. Like, and I'll see you next Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, all the other podcasts. We'll talk about all the stuff that we just talked about here today on Friday, plus one. And that is Kingdom Come Deliverance. This game flying way under the radar. Yeah. Some people calling it the next Witcher no. I've heard bandied about. <laughs> yeah, well, people say a lot of things. It does have a similar... Well, it's an Eastern European sword play <laughs> game. I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't totally, you know, I kind of see what someone's after when they say that, but no, it's not yeah. on the level of the So Witcher. you've been playing. You played it last night. I played, I played like five hours last night. It comes night. out on Tuesday, is yeah. that right? It's, um, so it is not The Witcher. However, I will say, um, you know, it's being touted, if you want, it's kind of like an open world, sort of like a realistic medieval world where you can run around and do kind of medieval things and whatever. It's a lot more narrative heavy than you maybe think it is. Because uh, this is by the, directed and written and directed by um, uh, the guy who did uh, Mafia 1 and 2, which were had a similar thing, at least so far. I think I've finally hit the point where the game is letting me sort of like run around and, and explore the world more. Um, but I, the first four or so hours were very narrative, linear, la- narrative-focused. Uh, in much the same way as, like, kind of the, the first two Mafia games were, where you're like, oh, I'm getting this open-world, like, kind of, like, Mafia classic, you know, classic uh, old-timey city simulator. No, you're, you're driving around just getting a story scene, a story scene, a story scene, and there's a little bit of that to the beginning of this game. It However, was funny, because I kind of fear that this game would not be cinematic at all. No, it's very cinematic. In I, fact, I feel in like fact, it might this, have, like, three cutscenes in no, the whole game. No, it's very cinematic. It's a very strong story to it, very strong character. I mean, for instance, like, that's your character. Like, you don't create a... It's in Skyrim. You don't it's create a character. Guy. You play a guy that's named... Him. You play the son of a blacksmith, and your name is Henry. And done. Like that, you no you are you are a very. I mean, in the same way as Witcher, you are a specific character in a specific situation, 
going through a specific story. Like, that is what this is. I mean, you have a lot of, uh, apparently, I mean, <laughs> once at a certain point, you have the freedom to kind of choose what you want to do and how you want to do it. Uh, and there's a lot of dialogue choices, and there's a lot of, like, you know, you know, you have to, you have, there's perks that can shift you one way or the other in terms of how you You're deal with things. You're kind of showing some of that stuff now. Um, and let's not forget, also, like, don't forget, um, there is an achievement for finishing the game without killing anyone. There's an achievement. Do you for, think that's even possible? Absolutely possible. Yeah? I haven't killed anyone yet. Oh. Because um, you'll see in like the fight, like, it, it fights like people can take like three or four good hits with a sword at most, and then they'll back off and be like, "Don't kill me, don't yeah, kill me." Yeah, we saw that just a second. Yeah, ago. and you can decide to kill them, or you can let them go, or you can let them go and make them leave all their stuff behind, which is what I do. Is there a way to kill them before that ever? Oh yeah, you that can just, go, you can just up? go up and hit them. I mean, It'll... you don't have to talk to them. You, oh, just, okay. you could probably just kill them. Um, and uh, so. The, the the way it's set, so I guess I'll set up the story a little bit. Where I, so you're this kid named Henry, you're not kid. I mean, you look about thirty four, but like he's, uh, yeah, I think he's supposed, <laughs> that's a kid to me. He's supposed to be, uh, you know, probably a teen, late teens. Uh, and he, um, you're the son of a blacksmith, and you're kind of a like your your parents think you're lazy, and like oh, you're out drinking last night with your 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 roused your about your roused about townie mates, <laughs> and like you know, and stuff like. <laughs> But like, so you, they wake you up and you have to like uh, go run some errands for your dad, and um, you go into town. You kind of town being like a little village, and you have to. So it's interesting because like you really have to. I, I don't know if how much of this I'm doing right because it it holds your hand in the sense that it teaches you the game systems, but it doesn't hold your hand in the sense of like here is where you need to go to do this thing or find this thing or do that thing. No waypoints. There are waypoints, but like how you sort of approach. So like the first thing you're given, the first quest you're given. Is all this errand. So you have to get a sack of charcoal at the local petrol station. You gotta get a sack of charcoal. You have to collect uh, money from this guy that owes your dad money for like tools he made him. Uh, you have to get your dad a beer at the local tavern. Like you have, any good and you son. Have, and you have to do that last so it stays cold or cool, <laughs> which is weird because beer was not served cold in many You're right. Times. Absolutely, you're right. Um, but, you know, apparently he has, he has certain tastes. <laughs> uh, you, uh, and then you have to, um, you can, you have to take a sword play lesson with this, like, guy who's teaching you how to play with, you know, sword fight, which your parents don't like because the blacksmith, your blacksmith dad is like, you don't need to use a sword. Da, 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 da. And, like, there's the whole thing where, like, your, your, your dad is clearly, like, better than he should be in a little town like this and like famous nobles come from all over to get swords made by him and you're like okay who is your dad right, who is this guy and yeah. um <laughs> and uh the last one is um uh that might be everything there's one other thing you have to do um i can't remember what it is but like so basically like so but the thing is you have no money so you can't buy the charcoal. So you go to the guy to get the money to to right to get the money from for the tool so you can buy the stuff. And he doesn't want to give at least in my game he didn't want to give me the money and I was like, "Well, you got to give, you know, I tried the noble response where I was like, you have to pay some of it." And he's like, "No." And so you just in a, I got in a fist fight with him and I beat the hell out of him and then he said, "Just take whatever you want." And so I took all his shit. <laughs> and I went I took everything of value in his house. He gave me the key to his house. I took everything of value in his house and I went into the trader to sell it. And I was just barely able to haggle out enough value from what I got from that guy's house to buy the sack of charcoal. After you cleaned him out. Yeah. Wow. And, <laughs> and like, so money is not that easy to come by, and haggling for it is a real process. You have to have charisma and speech abilities and stuff, and you can see how they compare to your, the merchant guy and how much the merchant likes you and all that kind of thing. 
And then you have to go buy the ale, and then like the ale actually doesn't cost hardly anything. So like you know one, one, I can't remember the name. Coin. Of it. It's one coin. It's whatever. It begins with a G. It's like some medieval Czech Bohemia area coin type, which apparently if you, the the codex in this game is massive. Like you learn about different. So like you can go in and like learn about care, but there's a whole just like the world. Yeah, you know, what the medieval world was like. So you can read everything about every element of the game you encounter. Every kind of like you know anything about tanneries and anything about how the money works. So there's a thing in the money work about how it broke down to like. They didn't use base 10, so it like broke down in like 7 of these and 12 of these oh, and like geez. 10 of these. And they're like, that's really confusing, so we just broke, the, most of the coins break down in this game is, is tenths. So like 0.1. Um, so like the, the beer costs like 0.1 coin. So you've got like, you, you, it kind of gets down to the nitty gritty on that. And um, uh, so you have to kind of figure out how, and is there another way to earn coin or a better way to do that? I have no idea. I, I, there's nothing, I, there's a, later on, uh, so, so you go back and you give, you get that stuff and you bring the stuff back to your dad and you fix the, oh, you had to pick up the, the cross guard from the sword from the castle because the, they had that made somewhere else and that got sent over. So you got that and you put the sword together with your dad and you kind of talk about stuff. And it's actually, it's very well voice acted. Like the acting's very good. The cinematography of everything is good. There are interesting scenes between characters that are, have interesting things to say to each other um like i dug it i, I was I, it held my attention which is more than i can say for a lot of these like because kind of, you see where things are going but you actually are interested in who these people are and they really and like the the noble that they're making you're making the sword for shows up and they try it out and he kind of like there's a little bit there's a they, they, you know they're very good at um they're very good at kind of demonstrating sort of the social stratification where like the, the nobles clearly treat the peasants differently, but the nobles are treating your dad differently than they're treating everyone. And like you can kind of see how each everybody reacts see, with each other. System. The caste yeah. system. The caste system is really in, the class system's in play. Um, like, there's, and there's a whole, like the perks in the game reflect that as you upgrade the character. So like you can upgrade your character with a perk that basically makes you more attractive and more likely to have good speech results with noble characters but it means you can't take the thing that makes you better at talking to peasants so like you kind of you, it, it, it there's a balance there it sounds like this is what kind of borders on a sim in yeah some there's ways. a lot of well there's a lot of sim elements to it in the sim. Like, so like you get hungry uh you get tired you have to sleep uh how long you sleep matters the comfort of the bed you sleep in matters uh you have to, what, what how much you eat matters what you eat matters uh, it lowers your energy if you eat heavy foods. So if you eat wow. like lighter foods, you like have more. So you've got like a life bar, right? And you've yeah. got your stamina bar. And as your if you get more tired or more injured, your life bar will go down. And then like your stamina bar matches your life bar for the most part. But then you can like injure your. If you step off the wrong ledge and fall too far, you can hurt your hurt your foot. Oh geez. And that will like lower your stamina there too. Wow. Um, <laughs> <coughs> Is it too much? Not really. I mean, really. look, I realize some people love stuff like this. I, I personally it's don't. It's not real. And, like, I mean, everything, I mean, the, the, your, your clothing has, has condition. You know, so, like, I got, I, you know, it took me a while to figure out kind of how the combat fully works. So, I got beat the hell out of it at first in that fist fight. Yeah. And my, I was all covered in blood and I had, like, torn things and people were reacting to me. But I finally figured out you can go wash your face off and stuff. Oh, really? get the, wash the blood off you in like a trough of water or something and your speech and charisma go back up. Because like people don't want to talk to a guy who's covered in blood. Right, right. right. And like, so you, you do all this stuff and, and you come back to your dad and you make the sword and everybody talks about the sword and then suddenly 
and army attacks. Oh, geez. So the situation is set is set in uh, um, I think it's Charles the Fourth, Emperor Charles the Fourth of the Holy Roman Empire was a really strong leader, and he died, and his son Wenceslas took over, and Wenceslas was not so strong, uh, and was more interested in sort of just partying. Uh, you know, he didn't he didn't care about you know being a being a solid leader. And uh, there's some uprisings against him, and he asks his half-brother, the King of Hungary, to help him. And the King of Hungary's response, whose name begins with an S, whose name, I, I can't remember his name because it's a weird Hungarian name. Um, he basically, his response was to start kind of in sort of invading. And so his army appears up on the ridge and just go, you know, all these banners, and they blow horn, and they just come on down and destroy your village, and everybody, you know, it's, it's the classic JRPG thing where everybody dies but you, and everybody, right. people get in the castle, but the castle closes up, and they're like, run to, run to the next town and tell them shit's going down, so you have to ride out, and steal a horse and ride out, and that was actually the closest I got to being annoyed with the game, because you have stamina, and the horse has stamina, and I got shot with an arrow, as a part of a cutscene, you get shot with an arrow, so you're bleeding, so you're constantly losing, and every time you stop to get the horse regain stamina, arrows, just, <laughs> and I, so I'm, I made it oh, to like, boy. and it's a long ride, it was like a, you know, felt like a four or five minute ride yeah. all the way to this other town, and I got to the part where the cutscene kicks in, and I had like, a sliver of health. I mean, I was dead. I was. If, if it was like ten feet further out, I would have de died. And like that would probably have been the point. I was like, eh, I'm done with this game, you right? Because it just felt like it wasn't my fault. I mean, I realize it, you know, you, a lot of people die in medieval times. It wasn't their fault. Like I get it. Yeah. But it's like it didn't feel fun to kind of like or fair be fighting this stamina thing the whole way. And I'm like, well, I haven't had time to upgrade. I, I don't think I, I clearly I didn't have time to upgrade the horse's stamina because I just found the horse. <laughs> Um, so they intentionally put you in this precarious Yeah, you're in a very situation. dark situation, and then, like, you have to recover, and, like, you, there's a whole thing where you have to sneak out, and... So here's the, so there's a, the, the, the action of the game basically starts where, like, you tell them what's happening, and they're like, oh, I guess shit's going down, and, like, there's a point at which, like, you want to sneak back to your, get back to your, your village to bury people, because you don't want to just leave them out in the sun, right? And so, but the but the king, or the lord of the castle, and won't let you out because you've been hurt and it's too dangerous and you're a stupid kid and what are you gonna? You know, so you have to get out of the castle and the guard won't let you through. And I assume there's ways to get out. I mean, I think you could, I could probably have just like snuck out like through a, like off the drawbridge or something. But I wanted to use the horse because it was a long ride, right? right? So uh, I had to get out the, through the gate. And like, and, the, and they talk to the guard, and the guard's like, guard's like, well, I can't just let you out. It's like, I mean, maybe if you were, you know, come up with a good reason, I should let you out. And, he's like, and you're like, what the hell does that mean? And he's like, oh, I mean, you know, if someone's dressed as a soldier, I just let them through, right? And like, so you're like, okay, you find so I gotta find it. And like, you're looking through the armory, and you're, and so there's a lock, everything's locked. I'm like, well, I gotta find a lock pick. And you go around and you find, okay, so this trader sells lock picks, but they're like, okay, it costs all this money. I don't have that kind of money. I gotta find something to do. So I, I wandered around until I found a goblet. That nobody was looking at, and like for some reason didn't mark as stealing it, so I just took it and I sold that on a bunch of arrow. I sold the arrows that were in me. <laughs> they were they were worth about a buck each. So I sold a bunch of the arrows that, that I funny. pulled out of my leg, and I sold this goblet, and I, I haggled the guy down so I could afford one lock pick. And then and then here's the thing. So it auto saves pretty regularly when you complete tasks and and things in quests. But to manually save, you have to use something called a savior, savior spirit or something like this. It, it's a drink, and you can only hold three, and they're super rare, and every time you drink one, you get a manual save, a hard save. Oh, jeez. And so, I, but I'd done that. I drank one after the whole big, you know, I'm like, I don't want to do the horse ride again. I want to go. So everything's cool. I've healed up. I've slept. I'm in good shape. I'm going to drink the thing, save the game. 
And then I hit the point where, like, okay, I've, I've scraped and scraped all this together and done, like, a haggling thing. I don't know if I could do it again to get one lockpick. And, of course, what's the, what happens every time you try the lockpick minigame in a new video game? Every time. It you break it instantly because yeah. you don't know what the fuck you're doing. <laughs> so I'm like, so I don't want to, oh, I can't man. use up another another drink to save it because I don't know what, you know, so I'm like, okay, so I'm looking, I'm, I guess I'll just try it. And I, and I did make it. Like, the lockpicks in this game are actually more robust than something like Skyrim. It's not like you fail and it breaks. We, we saw some footage of one earlier, actually. Actually. Yeah, it's not like you fail and it instantly breaks. It's more like um, uh, if you do it wrong, like you make noise and people will hear people. you. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I did get it done, and they had they had you know the tabard and enough stuff in there that I could dress up enough. And I wa- you walk up and the guy's like, I can't like, oh, okay, I get it. Yeah, let him through. <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> so you go. So it's like so it's like, but like nothing. You know, basically a little like icon led you to the armory. But it didn't tell you which chest it in. Right. It's in. It doesn't tell you how the lock picking works. It doesn't tell. You know, you're kind Not of a lot on, of hand holding. Kind of on your own a little yeah. bit. And uh, you know, and it's it, it's the game sounds kind of awesome actually for yeah, a certain I mean, type it, of player. It's definitely not like it's not Skyrim in the sense that like. It's real involved, and it's a moment-to-moment thing. It's like Skyrim if you put a bunch of survival mods in it, I guess. Right. Um, and like you know, you come. It's interesting because you come up. Uh, so you're you're heading towards the village, and there's corpses everywhere, and you keep running into like you, you run into a guy who's like digging it. Oh, oh, it's a bandit. So the guy comes up and like you're and he's he's like, oh, we're gonna we're gonna go, we're gonna fight. Uh, I'm gonna take your stuff too. And like you know, I just poked him a few times with a sword, and he's like, don't kill me, don't kill me. And I got like. And, like, you can overwhelm people with combos if you swing hard enough and, and come in at them, like, you know, unexpected. And, like, you can aim, like, you know, there's, there's a little star thing you can see there. So, like, you can pick which quad, like, part of the body. So, up is the head, and, like, you can go upper left, upper right, up de- lower left, lower yeah, right. Yeah, here's the sword play, and this is pretty... Yeah, and so there you see he's, he's given up, yeah. and you could either finish him or you can talk to him and decide what to do with him. And it's just, there's a lot there, man. Like, I feel like, and put it this way, like, so after I'd finally done all that and I'd gotten back to the village and tried to bury things, another thing happens and, an, and another scene happens and you run into more people. And finally, after all that, for like four hours, like, it pulls back and it's like, you know, War Horse Games presents Kingdom. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that was all the opening. Okay. Yeah. Like, like, there's a lot happening. And wow. So then, like, you go back and, like, and, like, you're kind of set loose on this other town where you can kind of, like, you know, there was one guy wants you to do... Uh, some kind of unsavory things to pay him back for taking care of you, and you're like, well, you can refuse him, or you cannot, because there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff on like honor and reputation, and would you do that as a good Christian is like a very big emphasis. Uh, you can use strength to to impress people, or you can like you know if you develop that. So it's it's like it does work like Skyrim in the sense that the more you use uh, a certain thing, the better it gets. So, like, the more you talk to people and the more you convince them of things, the higher your speech will go. Right. The more you uh, fight with a sword and the more successful hits you land, the higher your strength and the better your sword play gets. Um, There's a lot of opportunities for this game to fall on its face. Yes. Uh, I mean... I, I don't know what... How ambitious this game is. And some is. of it's like, like, you can see it right here. Like, sometimes, and this is maybe just kind of the Crytek engine in general... Sometimes it's gorgeous. Yeah. Sometimes it looks amazing, and sometimes it looks like that horse's mane. Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> it look it looks like a PS2 game right. texture-wise. You know, it's it's very uneven in that regard. I could see this game though at the end of the year having its yeah. contingents who are like game of the year. Well, here's the thing: provided like, all this stuff just doesn't melt down and break. Right. Well, ultimately. here's the thing: like it does. There's there's nothing else like it. 
right there now. There isn't. Like the, no. I mean, there are games I would compare directly to it, but they're fairly old. It's yeah. things like Arx Fatalis or right. um, yeah. you know things like like there are games like this. But, yeah, in 2018, but you don't see is... them. You don't <laughs> see them on console very often. I'm playing this on Xbox One X, so this is. Uh, also noteworthy, and it's the first game I've chosen for the Xbox specifically because I figured it would run better yeah. than the Pro. Yeah. Um, and it runs fine as far as I can, you know, I haven't seen it. it the load times are long in places. And sometimes... Games you, like this load Sometimes you get are. a longish load time mm. when you talk to someone. Oh, really? Like, like they load up their inventory. I mean, I don't know. It's not that common, but like there's a couple... I'm not, and I'm sorry, whenever I hit a button to talk to somebody and I see a load icon... I think of Sonic the Hedgehog 2006, <laughs> yeah. and you never want to remind me of Sonic the Hedgehog 2006. So I think um, people are wondering, though, so obviously there's lots of Skyrim fans out there, lots of Witcher fans. Yeah. Are those types of players going to enjoy this, do you think? Maybe. Like, it's really not those games. No, I, I, it's... I will say this. If you play Skyrim and the Witcher and your main problem with it is it feels too simple... That it feels too arcadey and too... Which most people would never, ever say. I think some people... I mean, Skyrim, some, but most wouldn't. Because, look, like Skyrim could use a combat overhaul in, oh, yeah, in, yeah. In, in, the, in the realm of what this game is doing. Because, okay. like, look, the, that's the other thing. Is, like, it's, is it a perfect medieval simulator? No, it's a, there's a lot of gamey elements to it. But the world feels very authentic. The world feels very homespun. Let's yeah. put it that way. You know, they've, they've done a lot of research on what the furniture looked like, what the clothing looked like, what people's reactions would be to things. Like, there's, I mean, there's stats in here on, like, how conspicuous you look. <laughs> like, like, if you put the wrong clothing on in the wrong town, people will be like, what the hell is that guy about? Like, it'll, it'll damage your ability to interact yeah. with people. The because systems underneath the hood in this game, the number crunching, all that that's going on, mm-hmm. like I said earlier, it does provide a lot of opportunity for failure. But if you get it right, yeah, if you do, I games mean, like this have a tendency to like blow your mind. Right, sometimes. and the thing is, like, I'm not far enough into it to really tell you if it's. I mean, I've played like five hours this game, and I feel like I've barely scratched it. You, you probably know? haven't. Yeah. And are you going to keep playing? Yeah, you... I'm, gonna, I'm definitely going to keep playing. Uh, the other thing I was like, I am in the middle of the first side quest I've done this far in. Like, I'm doing the first side quest, which is like, and I don't know how it's going to turn out. Like, like there's there's a lot of like. It feels like there's a lot of ways to go about things where, like, either you can appeal to someone's noble noble nature, you can appeal to their, you can try to just to convince them speechcraft-wise, you can appeal to, like, oh, I'm just a regular dude kind of thing. Like, there's a lot of ways to approach it. I think it sounds like they've built the game so you can basically talk your way out of almost any situation. It sounds like you almost never need to really fight to the death for anything, because obviously, because you can finish the game. Well, I think just the anybody. idea that you don't just outright kill people. Right. That dialogue pops up. Right. And you can, but I mean, I assume there's going to be some kind of reputation consequences later. And there's like, you know, there's reputation perks you can t- take. Like, there's, a lot of them are the Fallout style. They're like, they either have a disadvantage or they counteract one of the other perks. And like, it's like, you can't take this other perk or, or like, you know, like there's a thing. I think there was a thing where it's like um, Insomniac, where like, uh, you don't get as tired at night, but you have like a 10% drop in stamina during the day. Or there's like there's a like a local hero perk, and like a and like a uh, notorious villain perk or something where it's like um, you get bonuses to these reputation things because everybody thinks of you as a good dude, but your reputation will drop faster if you do bad things because people have higher expectations of you. Yeah, uh, yeah. <coughs> See that these games a lot of and look I've seen it with games like Skyrim and The Witcher as well where you're making all these decisions and all these systems mm-hmm. are running under the hood. It always gets either paid off or it completely falls on its face near the end of the game mm. where all these things that you've done do they actually 
amount to anything or not. Yeah. And that'll be the wild card we'll have to watch for. Or are there ways to kind of game the system and right. break it in various yeah. ways? Yeah, I don't know. And usually there are. Yeah, so, so I don't know yet. This was a small studio, but this is kind of like CD Projekt Red. <laughs> it's this... And you can mid-sized me. studio that has really, really high ambitions. Yeah. And, and it's also clearly like this is a, you know, the people who made this game have wanted to make this game for yeah. a long time. It's a, it's kind of a, a for honor sort of thing where you're like, there's a passion for this idea. Um, there's, a, there's a, the, clearly, you know, and there's again, there's not a whole lot of stuff like this. The attention to detail and the attention to historical accuracy is is on display, both in in terms of the world they're you're playing around in, and also in terms of just look read the codex and it's just pages and pages of back backstory and historical background and why this is the way it is and why this is how it is and and if you you know how you would think of a pig like you know why don't you see any pigs because they didn't have pink pigs in pens they just let they let wild boars run around you know? yeah and like it's it's um. And, you know, you learn something. From a lot, this you game. learn a lot. There's little consequences to things. There's like, just like you know, th- things behave properly. It's just like there's there's a there's a, a verisimilitude to it. Where like you, you know, that you go into the, the town, your your village has been destroyed, and uh, it's part of a plot thing. But also, but like you go up and like one of the one of the characters that's dead is in the rubble of a thing is being guarded by this dog. It's, it's very you know barking, and, and eventually it turns out. Um, the dead guy is the butcher. So the dog loves them loves because the butcher. the butcher used to give the right. dog meat. Scraps, so the dog so. is guarding right. the, his, the basically his meat. Yeah, <laughs> his meat, but also like guarding like this person that he saw as his friend or as, right. as, his, as his as his you know master or whatever. Yeah, and it's just like that little, little there's little touches like that. There's like That's people cool. the, 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 when you kill someone or when you find a dead person, like the things they're carrying make sense for who they are. Right. Like like you know you find, you loot dead bodies in your old village. Most of them have like carrots on them, but like the merchants have coins. You know, like the, yeah. the, that amount. That's the the level of detail, detail and thought that's yeah. happening in that game. We'll see. It'll be I interesting mean, to see when more people start playing this and where it starts spreading yeah. online. And make no mistake, there is some Euro jank there. There is some. Was, there's some the clunkiness. That's the first question I asked Matt yeah. when he told me he was playing, and I'm like, "Is there Euro I mean, jank?" I, I don't know what what the thing is. Where as soon as you cross the Rhine River, no one can put an inventory interface together to save their damn life. I mean, yeah. it's not as bad as something like Gothic, right? But like, yeah. it's still pretty clunky. Yeah. Um, but it's function, you know, if you can get through Skyrim's inventory system, you can get through this thing fine. There's a lot of information on it is all. It took me a while to figure out what, what told me how many of a thing there were. Because it's like this whole grid, and finally I figured, oh, there's a little number, like a pound sign, and like that's how many you have. Instead of just saying X2 or X3, you have to look down this other grid and kind of match it up to this thing, which is a little weird, but okay. Um, basically, I, I guess I'd say if like if you... If what I'm describing sounds interesting to you, give it a shot. <laughs> yeah. If what I'm describing sounds like, oh my god, I'd rather put needles in my eyes, probably not for you. I'm kind of half and half. Like yeah, parts I of it, I'm like, I don't want anything to do with that. I don't that. know what you... But then some parts, I'm like, oh wow, that sounds really interesting. I think, I don't know what you'd think of it. I feel like you would think it's... Oh, I'm going to play it. Interesting. I'm going to play it because you said it's unlike anything else out there. Yeah, That's I all feel, I need to hear. I feel like you're going to think... I it's, need to play it. You're going to think it's interesting but annoying. Okay. That, that would be my guess. We'll see. Next week, we'll talk about it. I'll talk about it next week. And I'll see if I rebut everything he just yeah. said. Also, I should, in terms of, I forgot, in the terms of the cinematic, the music is awesome. Really? This is some of the best music of the year already, and I would be, well, it, it'll be on my mind when at the end of the year. Like How the, did this little studio do this? I don't know. The music's by, like, one dude. I've never, <laughs> you know, I've never heard of him, but, awesome. like, 
it's like the early on, like they they set the tone and the mu- and the music's both authentic and it feels big and cinematic when it needs to, and it's like it's got like some some good light motif stuff going on. <laughs> I feel like they can bring a theme back here and there. It's like right on. It's good. Like it's, they, they it's it doesn't feel like it's made by a small studio by a few people sort of cobbling something together out of the Crytek engine. It feels. It feels like a proper AAA game in a lot of places, and uh, I mean, I'm pr- I'm pretty impressed by it in terms of the ambition and how well it's pulling off the weird little systems it wants to integrate. And so far, I haven't run into anything where it made me angry or want to stop playing or being or made was frustrating. Maybe that will happen later. I mean, there was a point where like I just decided to take a shortcut down a hill and I sprained my ankles. And I was like, and it didn't like, well, it doesn't slow you down. It doesn't like make you limp the whole rest of the way. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I was like, oh, but it's like if you. Just I had to deal with anything later on because of that. I well, you don't. I mean, like but it. you go to sleep and you're fine in the morning. You don't walk or run slower? Nothing. All right, everyone, so sorry that our Kingdom Come Deliverance discussion ended a little abruptly. Our TriCaster completely crashed. Uh, the stream went dead. We stopped everything down. We went and checked out the file. The file is there, but I don't know. It's it's there. It's a five gigabyte file. It just it didn't do that thing. We didn't close the book quite nicely, and so QuickTime's like, I don't know what this is. Yeah. But I'm, I'm, we couldn't get I'm the file very, to play. I'm confident. Not with QuickTime, but QuickTime's an idiot. Like I'm I'm confident we can pull the the video out of that. So anyway, if this end this archive ends up going up later, you'll know why. We're gonna have to mess with the file a little bit. No matter what, it's gonna delay the show mm-hmm. being archived. So anyway, Kingdom Come Deliverance. <laughs> it's a lot of stuff in it. <laughs> Play it if you like complicated things and swords and eating. Yeah. And we'll be back next week to talk about it more because I'm going to end up playing it after what Matt said about it. So clearly I need to play more of it to kind of get more into the meat of what it is past past what turned out to be a four-hour prologue. So Uh, so it's time for our trailer of the week. It was a terrible week for trailers, I have to say. Um, No really big debuts this week. They did announce The Surge 2 this week, which I'm surprised they're making a sequel to that. Sure, why not? But they did not release a trailer for that. So I actually dug up a trailer for a really cool indie game that was announced this week, and it is called Smoke and Sacrifice. It is an action RPG crossed with survival elements with a hand-drawn art style. Let's roll it.
What do you think of that, Matt? Nice art. Yeah, the art's crazy. The animation's very stiff. It's like yeah. two frames for every sword it slash. Of, it kind of reminds me of uh, Don't Starve. Yeah, it does look a lot like that. It's got that kind of dirty, grimy art style to it. Uh, so anyway, we did ask for questions in the chat uh, after the TriCaster crashed. So we're not going to do live questions, but we do have a bunch loaded up. So we're going to go through a few of them. Uh, let's see... Here's one from W. Matthew, who always asks great questions. Uh, do you think Disney might approach Arc System Works to do a Marvel fighting game since Capcom dropped the ball so badly? Um, probably not. Yeah. I, I would think that uh, you know, the, the corporate communication channels between uh, Marvel and, and uh, Capcom are there, and they know who each other are and how to treat the license and stuff. And the, Marvel vs. Capcom is the brand really here, so I think they would st stick with that. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you want to get too hasty here. Yeah. It's like, you, you've had a good thing going for a long time. One misstep, I don't think, completely dooms it. We did kind of mention earlier, does this destroy the IP? But no, you were very quick to say, if you fix it, the fans will come right back. Right. So, yeah, I would agree the with that. The fans want to like the game. Yeah. They just couldn't like this one yeah and like for good reason and it, it basically like you tried to do one on the kind of you try to get away with a fast one you try to pull fast one get away with them making a marvel game on the cheap and you, you didn't get away with it yep so your your two options are to throw it in the, in the vault for another 10 years or try again and do it right this time and i hope they try it again and do it right this time i wouldn't be surprised if they put it in the vault though no i would not be surprised <laughs> if they did that either uh, let's see, next from Dazzle369, will Sega ever resurrect the Dreamcast generation of hardware and software? So you think he's asking about maybe a Dreamcast Mini? Yeah, um, no. You think it'll uh, never happen? No. And I would say they have resurrected the software to some, a lot of the Dreamcast, Dreamcast games are class, available. Dreamcast on, collections. Yeah, you can get on Steam, and there's been some, you know, digitally released, like, you know, stuff like Crazy Taxi and, and stuff like that on uh, several of the everything systems. Now, everything, yeah. yeah. You can play Crazy Taxi on your phone. Um, I mean, have they, you know, and we got a Shenmue sequel coming, like, yeah. you know. Is, is there a single Dreamcast game that hasn't been playable on another platform afterwards? Um... Not a good one, maybe. Uh, I'm trying to think. I mean, there was like the little, like the, you know, stuff like Blue Stinger or Ill Bleed, or uh, that w weren't good in the first place. Yeah, they were interesting. I guess I'd say. Um, I think that's a stretch for Blue Stinger. Yeah, <laughs> that game was just bad. <laughs> I'm trying to, think. I mean, I have a whole lot of damn uh, Dreamcast games, but a lot, yeah, most of it's moved forward. You know, a lot of it was fighting games. All, all those clearly, obviously, have moved forward uh, in subsequent generations yeah. to be playable on other systems. Um, I don't know. I mean, I guess, like, if you're really, I mean, something like Spike Out, maybe, or, uh, God, even stuff like uh, Bangayo got on other systems. It did, you know, yeah. Like, um, yeah, there's not a lot. I mean, Jack, Jack Ryan Radio, you can play on just about everything else. Uh, Wait, there's one Capcom fighting game that maybe we haven't just seen them bring back since then. Um, it's no? oh, I can't I can't remember the name of it. I'm gonna hate myself whenever I remember it. It's uh, like that arena brawl that takes place inside, like Power Stone. Yeah, yeah. Power Stone. I thought Power Stone. Have got they like made a, another one? I think Power Stone got a PSP release or something like. The Power Stone came out People again. Been asking for a weird Power Stone for a while. It's weird that Power Stone. It's weird that Power Stone 
You want to build some hype for Marvel vs. Capcom 4? Put a Power Stone character in yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, it's kind of a lot. Power Stone and Spike Out are kind of the lost Capcom f- franchises from the Dreamcast era, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if that's that's really going to move a lot the of the, needle. A lot but... of the Dreamcast games even came to, like, the GameCube. And... Yeah. Like, like, Sega definitely cannibalized the library pretty thoroughly. Yeah. Uh, if it was worth playing, it's probably on another system somewhere. Would you buy a Dreamcast? Micro, though? No. I would. I well, I, I still have my Dreamcast so and all I. the games. So, so do I. I wouldn't I would really just buy for good. the novelty. I still have a Super Nintendo, and I still bought the SNES Classic. I might. You know, you know what actually showed up yesterday? I forgot I ordered. The uh, Analog uh, Super NT. Oh, you did? I got That's one That's getting the, great yeah. reviews, man. Uh, it's $190 worth. Yeah, looks nice. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't plugged it in yet. I don't, have, I mean, a, I don't have a think, damn controller. Yeah. Didn't come with a controller. You also think that with these micro consoles, you get the HDMI out. It makes it easier yeah. to hook it up with modern. Well, the NT technology. is interesting in the sense that it's the actual. It's you know literally displaying the actual cartridge at 1080p. It's right. not an emulator. It's nice. Yeah, yeah. It's you know it's very clever. Would I buy a Dreamcast that did that? Yeah, probably. I would definitely. Um, especially if it played the discs because I have all the discs. That would be so. sweet. Highly uh, unlikely, but yeah. So I don't know. I did see that kind of fan mock-up of like a like a Dreamcast themed Xbox One. Yeah, you see that with uh, it? it looks awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's, it's cool. It was totally fake, but like I would buy yeah, that. That is d- making the rounds, people. Yeah. The, it's fake. There's a mock-up of an Xbox One that looks like a yeah. Dreamcast but just so you know, number. Microsoft, you make that controller, I will buy it. Absolutely, I will. Yeah, <laughs> no problem. <laughs> no questions asked. Um... From Mike's Q, do you think that there is any chance Capcom can or will bring back Dragon's Dogma? Uh, well, they got the online one in Japan. Dragon's Dogma Online in Japan. Yeah, it's, been, it's like a huge game there. Yeah, and I figure... They're putting out expansions for that like every few months. I figure it might, you know, I, I don't think we've seen the last of it. At the very least, they knew enough to put it on every existing system you could imagine. I mean, yeah. hell, I wouldn't be totally shocked to see Dark Arisen hit the Switch. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um... More likely in Japan, maybe, than yeah. here. But I think that, I mean, Dragon's Dogma is kind of an underrated, well, not underrated, because if you play it, you generally rate it pretty well, but like, yeah. it's unknown a little bit. It's yeah, it's gem. flown under the radar. I actually gave it to my brother-in-law for Christmas, because it was like, it was. I saw it at Fry's, I think, and I'm like, oh, that, I make that. And he was like, eh, maybe, I guess, you know, he was playing Fallout 4, so he put it in, like, it's, I didn't see him play anything else the rest of the time yeah. I was up there. It's like, a good just, game. He got completely sucked into it. It's, it's, it's blew it's under like, the radar. And yeah. even, he's, you know, he's pretty well informed. I don't think he'd ever heard of it. He's just like, what yeah. the hell is it? I've never heard, and I'm like, yeah, like, look, but look, if you, if you're into that kind of thing, you put that game in somebody's hands, they're going to dig it. Like, it's, it's a, it's a solid piece of work. I think the bigger question is deep down, what the hell happened oh, to right. that game? I, I mean, I think, I think at this point it's just. Dead. Yeah, it feels like that was like some kind of demo that never became anything else. Yeah, they point. couldn't get it together as a game. I think that's the better question, though. What the heck happened to that? Uh, Justin Horman, do you think PUBG will ever go free-to-play? Since it seems like Fortnite has started to gain slash overtake them in players, and PUBG actually had a drop in players recently. Or is it too big a game and the sale's too much for them to consider that? I don't think they need to worry about it immediately, but I think it could happen eventually. I think it could absolutely. I think it absolutely will happen eventually. Yeah, because what you're going to see is all these Battle Royale games. Fortnite's already figured out the formula. Yeah. It's, if you're free... You win. You win. <laughs> and you make so much money off the cosmetics that it doesn't ultimately matter. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think ultimately PUBG will be free to play. 
uh, maybe two years from now because they still have to put out the PS4 version. Right. They still have to make their money off of that. They still have to put out 1.0 on Xbox. Right. So I think once that happens, maybe a year after that, then you'll get the yeah. free-to-play version. But they're going to have to come up with a pretty good thing to give the people that paid for it. Exactly. They're all well. Yeah, they'll just give them some crazy like gun or some hat that they can wear that everybody like. Oh, you paid for it. Then pile of loot boxes. Yeah, or whatever. They'll they'll figure out a way to make it right. I mean, they'll have to rejigger the whole game as well. Obviously, once yeah. it's free to play. But but uh, yeah, I think eventually it will. Absolutely. Uh, a couple more here. Um, from Lynn Jeff ninety nine. How many hours a day do you play video games? How many hours a day do you sleep? <laughs> For me, it's the nightly struggle of whether or not I should sleep or play video games. Uh, I, uh, every day I play games, typically I play games every day for probably all told between the time I spend throughout the day and any time I spend later at night, probably like four or five hours probably. Mm. I sleep five to six hours a night. Uh, it depends. Like some days I won't play anything or I'll play very little and some days I, you know, I'll just dive in. Uh, so I can I can play anywhere from like thirty minutes in a day to like eight hours in a day. Oh, I've played in a day games for like twenty some hours. Mm-hmm. In one but day. on average, I would say probably like two or three, two or three hours a day. Like if I have something worthwhile to play, because Some, sometimes it's like oh, I need to do I need to do something that involves buttons. You yeah, know? and I just play <laughs> a little thing and that's it. You know, it's, yeah. And uh, sleep, I don't know. I don't know. I probably sleep about an average about seven hours a night. I get five or six, typically. Like, tonight, I'll get a little more. I'll sleep in a little bit on Saturday. I used to not on Sundays because football starts at 10 a.m. here, and Mm. I get up early to, like, get my fantasy football teams going. Uh, So usually Friday night, Saturday morning is a time where I actually get at least, like, seven. But I'm so conditioned now to sleeping five or six hours, I really can't sleep more than, like, seven hours. Um, Over the holidays, I did get to the point where at the end of the holidays, I was sleeping, like, eight and a half. Uh, but I'm already back in the swing of not getting as much sleep, and I just my eyes just pop open, and I just can't go mm-hmm. back to sleep. So I should sleep more. Definitely, it's going to cost me whenever I'm in my 60s or 70s if I make it that far. Uh, last one. Uh, Mitchell is alive. Amongst all the chatter of Microsoft potentially buy, buying EA last week, it had me thinking of companies that would be wise for MS to acquire. What publisher developers do you think Microsoft would have the most success with? should they decide to acquire such a large company? If Microsoft did purchase EA, are there any franchises that you would believe would be in better hands with MS? So we talked about EA last week. Mm-hmm. We already covered that on Game Face. But uh, we will answer any other publishers or developers we think would be a good purchase. Um, I'll start with Ubisoft. I think that would be a really wise purchase. Um, I think Ubisoft might be open to that purchase too, yeah, considering right now Vivendi is trying yeah. to just outright... Hostile, hostile takeover them. So um, I would say Ubisoft. Ubisoft's games, I feel like, really came into their own on Xbox 360. Mm. Um, most people played Ubisoft's games. When Ubisoft went from kind of a mid-range third-party publisher to kind of top tier, most people were playing those games on Xbox 360. Um, I think it's a natural fit. I don't think people would be like, that's weird. Um, and mm. I think it also is the type of games that Xbox gamers typically go for. So if I had to pick one, I would say Ubisoft. Uh, I wouldn't go that huge, but I would, if I were Microsoft, I would buy From Software and make Dark Souls an Xbox exclusive. That'd be a lot cheaper, for sure. It's dirty pool. It is dirty it, pool, <laughs> but that's business. But <laughs> that's the way it goes. It sells some Xboxes. <laughs> it absolutely would. 
All right, so that's it for Game Face 116. This may be the only part of Game Face 116 you actually see. Yeah. <laughs> we'll no, see I've, if we can I've, figure I've, out the file. I'm pretty sure. It's in there. The, 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 the file is 5 gigabytes. There's video information in that file. It's just parsing it's, it and getting it out. We'll see. It, yeah. Um, but we're going to do our best to try to get it up, and no matter what, it's going to be delayed. So uh, my apologies in advance that you're getting to see this. It's probably going to be Sunday, I'm guessing, by the time you're actually seeing this. But Although they'll be seeing this well after that, so it's not an apology in advance. Yeah. To me, it's an apology you're in advance. You're apologizing in advance, but they're not going to see it until after it happens. Right. So it's just an apology. It's like time dilation. <laughs> like some kind of Einsteinian relativity yeah. shit. Uh, thanks for the people who were on the stream before it crashed and our TriCaster crashed. That's just a whole other thing I have to worry about now is like, what's wrong with yeah, the TriCaster? Yeah, I've never done that before. Never, ever. In all the hundreds of hours we've used that thing, nothing like this has happened. So, got to get to the bottom of it. But uh, thank you guys for watching. Thanks for uh, supporting us on Patreon. Uh, we could use your support on Patreon. So, if this ends up on YouTube, just kick us a dollar a month. It's, it'd be so simple to solve all our problems, even if half of our... Subscribers on YouTube just gave us a dollar a month. We'd be golden. Golden. We'd be good. We'd be creating new shows. It's so easy. It's just a dollar. So, just one dollar a month, you can feed a Satterfield. Seriously. <laughs> it would completely change our business. It's just a dollar leap of faith. That's all we need. So, if you can find it in the kindness of your heart to help us out, that would be great. So, with that, hopefully, you guys will get to see this. Game Face is up and out.